Gentlemen, support for KOTL is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in the men's below-the-belt grooming. But let's be honest, you are going to use it for your abs. You're going to use it for your chest. You're going to use it, man. The summertime is coming. You are going to thank me. Trust me, I tried it. It's got the six-pack approval. It's safe. It's easy to use. It's cordless. You could, I mean, you could get it wet. Don't worry. This thing seems like it's going to be dropped and keep on moving. And not only will you thank me, but your girl's going to thank me. Please support the podcast that has supported the community all these years. Get 20% off and free worldwide shipping when you use promo code KOTL and pick it up at manscaped.com. Six-Pack Lapidot, I want to give a quick shout-out to our partners, the Strength Guys, in this app that we have. It can be found at positionsofpower.programs, with an S, dot app. And the Strength Guys, who coach people like Taylor Atwood, have you heard of him? He's pretty good. Uh, They've had several world champions, several national champions, and, uh, I mean, a laundry list of records, national records, world records have been broken, etc. But they have an app with their elite-level programming available, video tutorials. uh, I mean, the whole nine, it's one-stop shop once you're in here. There's a Discord where they're doing video review of your lifts um, to get all your lifts analyzed. So you get elite Level programming and coaching for $29.99 US a month. Positions of app. Go there and get yourself started. Six pack lap of that. We got our boy Penna. Well, we just, as soon as I said we got our boy Penna, our boy Penna left. Something happened. Hey. Okay, there we go. Keep going. The wrong button. Let's go. <laughs> Dude, as soon as it says we are recording, you're like, no, that wasn't on the deal. That wasn't, no, that wasn't part of the deal. I thought this was off the record. Yeah. And I thought we were just catching up. And that's, no, I'm out. As soon as the lady said we are recording, you were like, out. out and like out. I told you, I have, I have a lot of things to say. So maybe that was, <laughs> that was a part of me that didn't want to. That's right. It, you know? <laughs> that was. That was in the back of your conscience was like, don't do it. <laughs> it's like the venom uh, guy coming out. So, so what's cracking, man? What's, what's, we got a, a big world championships rolling around. Freaking IPF has got this on Eurosport. And I believe your session is one of the sessions that'll be on Eurosport, if I'm not mistaken. I have to double check that. Um, but they, they're on like a Latin channel and the Olympic channel. And you know, it's, it's blowing up. Fantasy League is blowing up, man. We had like triple digits like immediately, man. Like all over the world. Um, it was nuts. So everyone is crazy excited about this. Your weight class is by, it's definitely, it's between you and the 93s on the men's side in terms of um, the most anticipated showdown. And this time you're the returning world champion, man. Yeah. Holy fuck. This is it, man. This is a little different than, than any of the other worlds, huh? It is. And also, uh, I think, you know, you'll tell me because uh, you've been doing this longer than I have. 
but I do believe and I do have this sensation that there's way more excitement for Worlds than it's ever been ever been before. Doug, I mean, as a whole, 100%. There, there's been times when, like, for instance, like John Hack, Brett Gibbs, tons of excitement, yeah. whatever. That's yeah. one showdown. That wasn't the whole world. So that was like one particular. Sh- there's no question. Weight class by weight class, this is by far the most hyped I've ever seen it. This is crazy stacked, man. And like the people involved are legitimate stars, dude. Like usually previous world championships, you got a couple people sprinkled in here, here and there. But this is like everyone in the roster is like multiple time world champions, world record breakers, world medalists. Um, and you look in, in their nations and across the world, they have massive followings and everyone's like, oh my God. You know what I mean? And it's um, even Jess, like Jessica Bittner walking into the 76s. You know, last year, um, she, she, it wasn't like, like she was going to win, right? It was just what she's going to post up. It's interesting. Everybody loves Jess. She's like crazy hot right now. But then Agatha Sitko comes out of nowhere and well, comes out of Poland to be more specific <laughs> and is like, um, hey, I'm, I am the current world champion in equipped. I, I am a world champion. And I'm going to get a little greedy here and I want to add the classic and we have two world champions going head to head. It's shit like that. Like two reigning world champions are going head to head. It's like, there can only be one. It's like this, it's crazy. Man. Like we got it all, my man. It's we're, we're getting greedy here, but it's fucking amazing. Yeah. And like you said, I think throughout all of the weight classes, because I think previously uh, I'll take my weight class, for instance, I think that the 66 wasn't really hyped. Mm. Um, like, honestly, when it was uh, Sergey, the Russian guy, uh, like, I think nobody watched it, uh, to be quite honest. Maybe when Charles Okpoko uh, came in, uh, you know, he had the attitude. Uh, he also posted up some crazy numbers. Mm. So I think this helped, like, spread the, wor- the word around uh, the 66 weight class. But now, I think, like you said, it's one of the, quote-unquote, hottest uh, weight classes right now in terms of like who's going to podium who's going to take the win uh and also all of the different um you know attributes that the athletes have uh for instance i'm the current world champion eddie Berglund just posted a massive total at 70 something but still a massive total with his crazy bench and everything and also george actually just posted at uh usvi na- uh, nationals the same total that i posted in order to win euros yeah so i think when you take all of those things into consideration and the fact that on the previous, on the, on the nomination list, we're actually really, really close in terms of numbers. I think that's, that's crazy. And I'm so proud to see uh, my weight class uh, be one of the quote unquote hottest. That's, that's really amazing. Well, not only that. Okay. So those dudes, so here it is. It's a representation all over the world because um, also Jonathan Garcia from the U S He's done 697 and a half like previously. And um, he, he was able to hold back at PA Nats, but he can go around 700 as well. And uh, his, his story, I don't know if you heard that podcast. I put some clips out there. You might've seen some clips where like people were like, holy shit. Like, like when, you have, um, when you have a global spread you can pull from, you can get people's storylines and like their backgrounds are so different. And then- so everyone's like, people like, oh my God, Jonathan, I had no idea what your background story was, dude. And then you have uh, in Japan, Kyoto 
posted up now he also just like eddie berglund he didn't cut he was a 74 but he wasn't really 74 i believe he weighed in at 70 kilo but he hit a 700 kilo total as well so he's capable now can he hang on to that when he cuts we'll see easier said than done but this is like from you to eddie to joe jordan to jonathan garcia to Kyoto. that's like five guys spread all over the world from North America to Europe to Asia, all over the world, who are all capable of hitting 700 and, um, and have all hit 700. The only guy who wasn't at 700 is Jonathan Caracia, who hit 697 and a half. So, like, he's basically right there, too. All of you guys have different backgrounds, different followings, different. It's, it's fucking, we've never seen anything like it in the 66s. Never. And, yeah. and to your point with Charles, Charles was strong as hell. He's on the podcast. He's charismatic, whatever, but he can't do it all himself, man. Glad yeah. kick. Glad kick was phenomenal, but he never posted. He's never on podcast and he's not going to help Charles out. So yeah. to, to like hype it. So it's kind of like, you know, all right, it was good. It was good. They had a rivalry. They did it. They for sure had a rivalry and went back and forth um, like in, in competition, but not, you know, they couldn't hype it. Jonathan comes on a podcast, murders it. Um, Joe Jordan comes on the podcast. His podcast did very well, murders it. He's a good talker, whatever. And you've been on podcasts. Like you've been murdering your shit, doing your thing. Like all you guys are all over your Instagrams. Um, so it's, it feels different. Even, even Kyoto, he's on YouTube, like, cause he's Japanese and he's not speaking in English, but he's actually pulling in the Japanese market. His YouTube videos are pure Japanese, with ca- Japanese captions. And he's got like the people from Asia following. So like, this is dog, this is different. Yeah. This is different, man. This feels totally different now. Although to be quite honest with you, I do believe that the podium definitely won't be around 700. No, you don't think so. Eh? Is you, how, why so? Why do you think that? I think it will be higher. I think oh, it will be shit. closer to 7, 15, 20-ish. I think that's what, that's what you actually are going to have to total in order to be on, the, on that podium. I do believe it. Um, and, you know, also props really to those two guys you mentioned that I actually did overlook a little uh, when, when I, I did the, this intro. Um, but, yeah, I, I do believe that this will be 7, 15 plus. Uh, I, I don't see anyone podiuming with, with under it, for sure. I mean, uh, if that happens, man, it's the wildest. I mean, it's the, the thing is, the big thing that people aren't sure about is um, the travel and the time zone travels for some of these guys. You know, like Kyoto, even from Japan to South Africa, it's a pretty brutal one, man. It's like 24 hours-ish as well. From North America, so that's Garcia and um, Joe Jordan, both of them, it's going to be like a day with, with several time zones. And then even from Europe, for, for you, for um, Eddie, yeah, it's, it's not the time zone change, which is, which is decent. If it's anything at all, it's nothing terrible. But it's going to be like 14 hour. It's going to be. So that's, this is where like, if it was happening like in North America, maybe in or, or Europe, it's one thing. But that's one intangible. I'm not sure yeah. how it's going to affect people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I think that uh, when talking about sports performance, it's actually hard to to take every metric into account and be like, 
So you just retrieve 5% off of the total that those guys are capable of hitting. You know what I mean? Obviously, it's different. Um, and uh, I remember I've been on the podcast and I heard you tell me about it and be like, you know, worlds just hits different with the judging, with the environment, with everything that's revolving around. And if you hit close to your training numbers, uh, you hit in, in training. If you hit that at worlds, that's really good. And I was like, you know, for me, it doesn't make any sense. What you hit in training is, quote unquote, what you're supposed to hit in competition. And I actually had to leave it uh, and to experience it in order to understand what you were telling me back then. And I think now I, I processed some of that. Uh, but I do believe that regarding, uh, like I told you, um, what the performances um, these other guys just put up. I think the total will be there. Uh, I don't see uh, uh, the podium, sorry, will be around this total. I don't see how you can podium with lower than 700, to be quite honest. And I think maybe the top five will be around 700. Uh, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised that under 700, maybe you won't even make it. You're just fifth. And last year when I did Worlds, I think I won with 692.5, something like that. So that would be crazy to see the, the bump of the weight class within a, just a single year, you know? Well, I mean, um, just winning Europeans, like a, two months later, you had to go up to seven. Yeah. And, and I think Eddie was 697 and a half. Like exactly, it was, yeah. so it's all, it's all about like, it's weird because it's on any given day, it, numbers go up and down. It's all just yeah. win. It's just win. You know yeah. what I mean? Like numbers, numbers are cool. You could do a local meet or something and just smash some crazy numbers not have to cut the last couple kilos smash from crazy numbers when yeah. it comes down to the game day like look at what eddie did eddie did 728 that is fucking insane yeah. like eddie's top end strength is insane yeah. but when it comes down to game day to the world title um just like not we're not talking like he didn't get he didn't get like 35 kilos stronger in four months yeah for it sure. was, it's just any given day man yeah. uh you know when you go to world's all you care about is fucking win, baby. Like you like, and um, you're right though. Like all those top five guys, all of them are capable of 700 and have already proven it. They're all capable 700 plus, and they've already proven it. And we've never seen a competition world or anywhere where you have top five, all have already proven they're done. They can do it. Yeah. That's fucking wild. And, and that's top five was, within like 90, eight nine percent of the current world record total yeah that makes <laughs> that's it nuts more interesting yeah it's crazy man it's um i don't know man how does it feel different how does this world feel different than last time uh like you mean for me personally yeah so Your personal experience because you know what's going what's going on yeah so you know i have honestly i have a lot going on in my life right now uh, some easy stuff and some really, really hard stuff uh, that I don't want to display publicly because I feel that's my private life. And I feel that I have this burden on me that I just can't lose, man. So honestly, I, I, I don't really think of worlds like it's worlds. I just think of it like there's a meet that I absolutely have to win. And I just have no way around it. So that's, that's extremely weird. And it's the first time that, you know, I'm not crunching numbers. I'm not really watching what the other guys are doing. I'm really focusing on myself only, uh, working on 
those weak links that I found over the, the past months. And also, you know, um, obviously I mentioned it on my previous posts on Insta, but I injured myself like nine weeks ago, I think. And uh, this, I took a hit, to be honest with you. I took really a hit because I was, this was the last week of, uh, of my prep for French nationals. And French nationals was something crazy this year. Man, you can't imagine how many people were there. Uh, how many people were, for instance, wearing the Salon Worker t-shirt or hoodie or whatever. And I was just blown away. I was like, yeah. man, powerlifting is getting somewhere crazy in France. And I really just wanted to fill this energy with the crowd because this would have been my first meet back with, with uh, the no, uh, an audience allowed uh, because of you know uh, the COVID situation. And so having it happen to me the week of French Nationals was just heartbreaking for me. And also there was something, you know, in the warm-up room, they had some uh, TV screens in order, you know, to show like uh, the scoring boards and everything. And in during um, uh, breaks, they would actually show an SBD commercial that was Team France uh, at Euros and Worlds. And this was like a, a hype thing where you could see like Leah, you could see Tiff, you could see all of the other members of Team France. And I was in there. And so when I was uh, helping uh, my athletes warm up, I was watching the board and I was like, I should have been there today. I should have competed today. And, you know, this was really a, 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 tough, a tough time to, to go through. But, uh, yeah, things, things got better uh, over those eight, nine uh, weeks. And I don't want to say that I'm back to 100% uh, because I'm definitely not. But I feel that I have every weapon that I need in order to fight until the end and to actually put up uh, a performance at Worlds. So that's pretty much how I'm viewing everything. So although, you know, it's really hype, um, I really try to fo focus really on myself, on what's happening around me and to let that dictate the result, you know. Well, like, okay. So we'll talk about the injury in a second because everybody sees you doing like dumbbell presses with kilo plates, <laughs> which is amazing. I love that you got kilo plates for dumbbell yeah. presses. That's very thorough, but um uh, why do you think you feel that you have to win? Like it's a, you use the term burden almost. Yeah. So why, why do you feel that? I don't know, man. Uh, like we discussed last year, uh, you know, there's an anime show that I really like and that you should watch because you like boxing. So I think you'll enjoy it. Doggy. It's so, a tough sell. It's a tough man, sell. But... <laughs> I, I, it, I think uh, people watching, uh, listening or watching will spam your DMs. And so if you're watching of, or if you're listening to this, I want oh, you to God. spam our boy Ryan in his oh, and tell him to actually go watch Hajime no Ippo because this is a crazy show. And on this show, you know, um, at some point, eventually the, the hero becomes national champion of boxing uh, in Japan. And I think it's in Japan. So that's pretty cool. So, and then his coach comes to him and he's like, he's getting tens and 20, 30 requests for a world uh, 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 national title shot. And he gives the letters to, to his athletes and to the boxer, and he goes, you're a cheese champ. Everybody thinks they can win, they can beat you. So what I want you to do is your next title defense, I want you to crush him so bad that we won't get any requests for a national title fight anymore because you you'll solidify your status and your um you know your presence as the champ 
And I've, I think that I'm exactly in that situation uh, with regards to what happened last year. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I want to show and I want to prove to myself first, but obviously for all of the athletes and all of the people believing in me, uh, for my home country friends also, that I'm no cheese champ, you know, I'm the real champ, undisputed. So that's why I feel this burden and I have to win. I, I just can't do any other way. I have to win. Yeah, it's, it's look at everybody has to have, um, you know, their, whatever motivates them whatever gets them like to, to keep pushing through. If, if it's injury, if it's whatever, you know, you need that kind of something to, when you lay down at night and your body's hurting, you wake up the next day, like, hopefully I'm recovered. No, I still feel hurting, but you, you got work to do. So whatever motivates you to be like, I got, I got to prove some people wrong or whatever it is. Right. Um, but in terms of like, like for sure you, you straight up won the world title. Like there is no, you know what I mean? Like you're, uh, I think everyone coming in there knows like you're the guy to beat. So uh, I don't, I don't know. I, no matter what happens, nothing can ever change the fact that you're, you're a world champion. However, if this is what you need to keep yourself hungry, um, you do what you got to do, man. Yeah. I and mean, like, it, obviously I have, I have other things again, which are, more personal, uh, which I would say is my actual number one uh, source of motivation uh, lately. But again, um, I, I don't want to talk about it publicly because I feel that's my private life. Mm. But yeah, that's, that's definitely number one. But number two is like wh- what I just told you that um, I-, I want to show that this wasn't a one-time thing, that I'm the best 66 in the world. You know, that's, that's my my goal and again uh one of one of the other reasons is that um i'm seeing what's happening in france right now and i think uh being in this position where our country is top three in the world without any question without any doubt regarding the women's side i think it's number one equal with the us and for me it's not debatable i feel that this will help our sport grow and and develop so it's also my way of like representing Team France and helping the sport grow as much as I can. Because knowing that you have the world champ in any sport in your country is something crazy. Oh, yeah. And I've seen the difference. You know, for instance, on YouTube, lately I've, I did a lot of collabs with uh, higher profile YouTubers. And one of the main reasons why they were collabing with me was because I'm the world champ. So, you know, it's also part of everything else. No question. I've, I've said this to people like a million times where it's like doors open. You let people in like social media, fitness, um, whatever they're doing, they might be totally aware of powerlifting, but they don't know the details and intricacies and all the politics. The people who actually know division by division, who's who is like very few compared to, you know what I mean? What they know is you're a powerlifter. How good are you? You're a world champion. Yeah. Holy shit. Say less. Well, you're, you're okay. And boom, the doors open. So when yeah. people are in France and they find out or, or whatever that it like close by and they want to do some collabs and they're like, well, there's a world champion in France. And this guy is like from Paris or whatever close. They're like, well, this it's easy. I want to do a collab with a power lifter. We got a fucking world champion. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's what happens, man. That I've told people like, 
doors in terms of sponsorships or whatever, if you went to local businesses now and you're like, I'm defending the title. I know you guys get government funding, so you don't have to, but if you wanted to, you're like, I'm defending the title and um, I need some help in terms of flight, hotel or whatever the hell. It is so much easier to go to a local business and be like, will you give support if you're like, I am the world champion and I'm defending the title for France. It's so much, so all these doors, man, even like I've done all the above, including um, like public speaking at events with uh, chamber of commerce, like local businesses, entrepreneurs, and the whole nine bringing me in the talk. And when you have these titles, they're there for life, brother. Like, yeah. like it'll never again be gone. That happened. So 10 years from now, if they bring you in the talk, it's just, you talk about like, you know, when you talk about determination, goal setting and all these, and use these antidotes of these stories and shit. Um, this is, no one can ever take this from you, man. It, it's, it's cool that like, cause you were the first, right? You're the first open world champion in the classic. And um, you've done a lot of first in terms of France, you know, you're the first, like, obviously you, you coached our first open women's world champion. I think that was Turbo Tiff, right? In the 47, she had to have gone first yeah. for her. Like she, she had yeah. to go first. She's the 47th. Um, yeah. I mean, you've done a lot of firsts, my man. You, and so it's, uh, it's, I don't know. I mean, you've already left your footprint, but I know what you mean where now that you've seen everything you've done, you're like, man, this is, I got to keep going. I got to keep pushing. I got like a responsibility, you know, mm. but it, it's in your young, how old are you right now? 27. Seven dog, you could be doing this for a while now. You know, honestly, I, I feel like I'm. That, that's weird because, like, I've been in the powerlifting game now I, I, probably for five years, which is quite some time. You know, it's it's not crazy, but it's quite some time. But I do feel like a beginner. You know, I feel that I have a lot to do. It's not I have a lot to prove because, again, I never did it to prove something. I always. Like, for instance, coaching Tiff, I never did it to prove that I'm a good coach. I did, I did it to help her out because for me, when, when an athlete comes to you as a coach, it's not about uh, you prove your value as a coach. It's just you give this athlete 100% of what you've got and you help them develop as much as they can. So it's not I, I feel that I have to prove. It's just that I feel that France is getting in a really, really sweet spot in terms of uh, piloting presence, whether it be around the world or in France itself. And I think that this momentum will actually be somewhat influenced by our results uh, at Worlds, like the result of Team Friends at Worlds. And I feel that I have to contribute to that general effort in order to bring the sport as high and as far away as we can. You know, There is no question that the stars that are showing up have a direct influence with the popularity of a sport. No question, man. Um, like New Zealand almost overnight got turned on when Brett Gibbs was a world champion clashing with Russell or he had IPF worlds back-to-back world championships and clashing with uh, John hack before that, like every world championships, their boy Brett is in a massive showdown and he's right in the thick of things. And, yeah. and that only increases the popularity of a sport and he's winning. And even if, even when he didn't win, when he came in second to Russ or second to um, John, but he's in the mix. Like he's there, like you have somebody in the mix. And the beautiful thing about powerlifting, man, like win, lose, or draw, you got your 60 seconds on that platform. Like that's yours. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. You scrap for your reps and you leave it on the platform and you let everybody know, like, 
whatever's going down, you, you, whether you're even paying attention to what's going on to the opposition or not, you scrap for every single rep. So when your people tune in from France, they see like, there's Penna. He's going to yeah. fight for every rep right down to the freaking end. Chips fall where they may, man. You can't, um, you can't guarantee anybody an outcome because, because we're not God. Like that's, yeah. that's none of us can, but you yeah. can guarantee, you can guarantee your effort and you can guarantee you'll fight for every fucking rep and leave it on the platform. And yeah. if anybody could do that, sir, and get people's heart, it's you, man. It's freaking, um, I remember, I, okay, here's a story. This is not an omen. This is not an omen. So, don't, but this is a story, uh, that'll, that'll explain what I meant. Cause I, I went and talked to, um, when I was talking to the chamber of commerce, it's called the heart. It was called the heart of a champion, the speech I gave. And I was talking about when I was a kid, um, I flipped on the TV and I was, this is like, it was a boxing match on. And I was like 12 or 13 years old and Evander Holyfield was boxing Riddick bow. Okay. So Evander Holyfield, when I was a kid, I had the Sega Genesis, I had the real deal boxing video game and all my friends had it. And some of my friends had the Super Nintendo, not the Sega Genesis, and they had Riddick Bow boxing. And it was, it was literally like two different platforms. Like they were representing two different platforms the whole time, the whole night. And um, Evander Holyfield was boxing Riddick Bow. And when he was the champion, Mike, Mike Tyson had lost his title to Buster Douglas in a massive upset. And then he was going to, and then Evander Holyfield was going to fight Mike Tyson. And everybody's like, this is the biggest fight in boxing in years. Mike Tyson loses, took a tune-up against Buster Douglas, partied, showed up out of shape, 42 to one underdog, lost to Buster Douglas. Okay. Now everyone's like, fuck, Tyson's still the man. Doesn't matter if he's got the title or not. Evander Holyfield had the title shot sewed up. It's already contracts are signed. So he beats Buster Douglas and not Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson gets accused of rape, found guilty, goes to jail for the next four years and is gone. And now you have a Vinner Holyfield, whom everybody's saying is the cheese champion because you beat a guy who got lucky one night. You're a cheese champion. You didn't beat the man. And if you had fought Tyson, he would have knocked your ass out. So Vinner Holyfield's the champ for like two years, um, beating guys, but he's not, he didn't beat the man. And then here comes Riddick Bowe. And Riddick Bowe was bigger, younger, fresher, and I, I wasn't, I was too young to understand all was going on. And one day I flipped on the TV and the fight was on TV. And, and for years, Evander Holyfield, for two years, Evander Holyfield's taken this year cheese champion shit from the, from the fans, in the press, in the media. And he felt it. And he, he was the champ though. Now yeah. here's the point at my whole speech I gave at the Chamber of Commerce. And I want you to take, take heed from this. He walked into that fight. And he met Riddick Bowe in the center of that fucking ring. And Riddick Bowe was 6'5". He was, he was way bigger, had like 30 pounds on him. And they slugged it out. And round after round, Evander Holyfield got dropped, eyes closed, was taking a beating. And the announcers started saying, the commentators were like, if he stopped right now, nobody would fault him. He's so behind on the scorecards, he can't win on the scorecards. He's lost too many rounds. And he's not going to knock this guy out because nobody's ever even dropped Riddick Bow, let alone knocked him out. So he can't win. In round after fucking round, Evander Holyfield rose from that fucking stool and answered the bell. That when it doesn't matter if you win or lose, you fucking leave it out there. And then yeah. afterwards, Riddick Bow won a decision 
And the newspapers that slandered Evander Holyfield for years said, that is the heart of a champion. Only when he lost did he prove he was a champion. And this is what I'm trying to say. It's not about winning and losing all the time, man. It's not yeah. about titles all the time, man. Yeah. Leave it out there and you could prove yourself. And it's, it was ironic. I, I took that as like a 13-year-old. I'm like, now when he lost the title, all, the next day, all the newspapers, the heart of a champion, oh my God, like one of the greatest, like whatever. And I'm like, isn't that fucking ironic? Yeah. And then, um, yeah, just take, take that for what it is. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think that uh, I, ex- I exactly felt like this for the past weeks, because like I told you, I've been dealing with this injury for like nine weeks, I think right now. And nine weeks out from Worlds, you can't even bench 100 kilos. And you know that you have to battle people that actually want to beat you really bad and become the new world champ. And on those people, like we just said, they're really talented. And four of those people, five if you had Ilya from Russia that unfortunately won't be able to participate, but, but four people are able to total close to the world record total and close, and close to what I totaled in order to win Euros. So, you know, the, the odds aren't in my favor uh, back then. And I would actually be uh, curious to know how I'm ranking on the uh, fantasy league. <laughs> yeah, we'll, I would really we'll, be curious. We'll post results. We'll post results when we get a stitch closer. I'm curious too, man. Okay. Because, you know, I think that nobody, quote unquote, serious would, would bet for me because of that. Because at some point, um, you know, we've all been dealing with injuries regarding powerlifting. Let's say your lower back is hurting you when you're deadlifting. Okay, you still can squat and you still can bench. That's okay. If you're getting stronger on squat and bench, then your total gets better. And once you, you can go back to deadlifting 100%, you actually got stronger, even though you were through this period of injury and not being able to train fully. And, but in my case, I wasn't able to squat, I wasn't able to bench, and I wasn't able to deadlift. So, And it's been like this for like maybe over a week, I think, it was that I wasn't able to train at all. And then I was able to start to squat again, but high bar and then low bar slowly. Uh, deadlifting, I wasn't still able to deadlift 220, 200 and everything. And, you know, what I mean is as the weeks just went by and went by and went by, I was like, I'm still so much behind, uh, quote unquote, on my schedule in order to be able to total, let's say, seven plus at Worlds. And during those times, the prior me, maybe a year ago, would have freaked out. And maybe I would have taken some bad decisions where someday I would have loaded the bar with not the correct number. And maybe I would have some misses or maybe even re-aggravated the injury or anything, you know, stuff of that nature. But then what you just said, I always kept in mind that no matter what will happen in nine weeks, I, I can't, you know, I have to train. I have to try everything and I have to actually be able to do what I must do on that day and not try to shoot for higher when I just can't. And that's what I did, actually. I, I, I was taking session after session and eating my quote-unquote frustration and be like, okay, a week ago, I wasn't able to squat 200. Now I can squat 200. So obviously 200 is 60 kilos less uh, regarding what I want to squat at Worlds, uh, but I just have to take it right now and just move on. And I actually had to grind reps with like 80% of my maxes 
I had to grind reps with 220 on squats. I had to grind reps with 120 on bench. I had to grind reps with 220 on, on deadlifts. And, you know, as frustrating as it was, I was taking every fight after every fight telling myself, I won today. Let's take a win also tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, brick after brick, brick after brick. Then I had to, I started to see, you know, some some room again. And, and I started to get my, my head under the water, you know. Um, but yeah, like you said, at that time, I wasn't, you know, I'm the champ. Uh, I, I want to squat 280. I want to, I was like, okay, I just have to take every fight that I have to take and I just have to move on. And lately, I'm, I'm grinding 10 seconds on 160 bench, whereas before I was doing that with 170, 172, 175. But I just have to take what's there and move on, you know. Mm-hmm. So I have the same spirit uh, as the story you just said. Um, and that, that feels pretty cool, actually, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I learned to actually be okay with my current level, which I wasn't able before. So I think this injury actually helped me understand that aspect that, you know, it's okay to not be strong all the time. And it's okay to have fights with 80% of your 1RM, of your estimated 1RM when you're healthy. But if that's what you do at a given point in order to be where you want to be in three weeks, five weeks, eight weeks from now, just take it. Mm -hmm. Well, this is all part of it, man. When people are watching, if somebody's watching you from France, drawing, drawing from it, this is like, what story is all just homie has it gliding through and he just always has it his way. And like, this boring dude. Yeah. That's not the way it's supposed to be, man. That's not riveting TV. That's not a hell of a story that everybody's going to be retelling people. This is a fucking story for you, man. Like, um, and who knows, man, you got so many years to come still too. And you got to stay fresh as possible, right? It's difficult. You know, um, has some of this, have you, like you've been to 66 now for, for a hot minute. Um, is any of the injury related you think from cutting and you, have you ever been tempted to go 74 or are you like, cause 66 is so hot right now. Yeah. You know, are are you thinking, no, 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 it's not that like, do you have it isolated on what you think it is? And what do you think your future is in terms of 66? Honestly, I really don't know. Um, my view is as long as I'm the, I, I must compete at 66. Uh, so when I'm eating whatever I want without any restriction, no nothing, maximum I'll weigh 71 kilos. Mm. And you know, for me, it doesn't make any sense to compete at 74, where I know that some of those 74 kilo lifters will be like 77, 78, and I'll be at a huge weight disadvantage. So maybe, you know, you can, you can do top five or something um, for, you know, for this level. But if you take the top three or even first place, man, there's no way, you know, and that would be the same for a 59. That's a little heavy for a 59. Man, you, you can't beat a guy that's 69 kilos uh, when you're 63 or 62 or 64. There's, I think that there's no way around it. So um, for now, my my uh and also i do feel that this is my weight class for now you know what i mean um i'm the reigning world champ and i feel that this is my weight class and i want to make a statement uh that this actually is my weight class and then from there we'll see you know if at some point i I gain a lot of weight and i just can't compete 66 anymore then i won't take any risks or any 
don't do any dumb mistakes in order to maintain 66 at any cost. But to be honest with you, uh, this morning I weighed up, I, I woke up and weighed in at 69.2. Oh. And I, I, and the, the day prior, I, I did a restaurant with my family. So, you know, you, you just eat whatever you want and stuff of that nature. So I'm definitely not too heavy for a 66. I think I'm maybe on the heavy side, obviously, but not as heavy. And for instance, I think that all of the other 66s, like for the, the top five we were mentioning uh, prior. So Joe Jordan, uh, Eddie, um, uh, he was and, and, the, and the Japanese guy, which I can't remember his name. Kyoda. Kyoda, sorry. Yeah. Kyoda, we all are 70 kilos. Just yeah. look at what Eddie did at uh, his nationals, 71 kilos, Kyoda 70. And I think we, that's the weight we all weight, pretty much. That's fair. Uh, you're right. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. All these guys seem to be, if they're not cutting, around 70 kilo. And the difference between um, a 66 and a 74, like in terms of, you know, that's almost 20 pounds. You know, 145 pounds to 163 pounds. We're almost talking 20 pounds of body weight when yeah. you're a 145 pound man is massive percentage. It, it, in terms of the difference between an 83 going 93, like the obviously the bigger you are, the smaller percentage of your body you're actually putting on. But when yeah. you're 145 pounds and you take a 145 pound man and say, you need to gain almost 20 pounds onto your body. Yeah. That that's freaking, that's going to take forever, man. If ever, if ever you could be like, look at, I could go all out and I may never get another like quality 20 pounds on me and be the same type of human being. Like that's a massive body change. You, you might be able to do it, but to expect to be optimal. Um, yeah. It's, it's one of those deals where you're like, you're almost like, look, I'm a 66 and, and, yeah. You know, to your point, 70 kilos seems to be around the norm for all of these other guys as well. And I'm lighter, actually. Lately, I'm, yeah. I'm close to 69. So it's probably my lightest I've ever been. Maybe I lost some, some chest muscle because I'm not benching as much and uh, as frequently as I was. But, you know, if, if that helps me make weight easier, then, you know, that's... that's yeah, whatever. It. it is what it is. Um, I mean, here's the thing. I, you're, Lee Norton did, he, Lee Norton posted something uh, when there was, a, when, the, when the pandemic first hit, actually, it's the lockdowns. Yeah. And some people didn't have access to the gym. And he posted some studies that said, muscles don't atrophy like people think. Because so, yeah, a lot of people are like, fuck, man, I'm going to lose yeah. this, that, and the other. And he's like, your muscles atrophy so slowly with very little, like yeah. they'll hang on. Your body will hang on strength might dip because it's conditioning, just like running or whatever it's conditioning, yeah. but the actual atrophy of your muscles, um, you have to do something, but as long as you're doing something, it can, you could ride on what you have for a fucking long time. So yeah. you're, you probably didn't lose. And that's also why you, you know, people say like muscles have memory and they don't actually have memory, but people notice like, wow, I bounced back pretty quickly off that layoff. Yeah. It's because your muscles didn't atrophy. They were just not in shape and getting them in shape. Isn't as crazy as people think. Right. Yeah. Um, especially I've been, so primed, man. And I've built dumbbell benching and grinding reps for weeks. So I think yeah. that could have helped out also, but yeah, for sure. To, to, to your point regarding my weight, uh, I'll just give you some some background that maybe some people don't know. But actually, I started lifting weights at 17, and I was weighing around 40 kilos. So Turbo Chief was almost 
seven, eight kilos heavier than me. Oh my God. I myself from 17. And my, my parents actually, uh, I had, I had some rough time growing up because I wasn't eating because I wasn't hungry. And you know how the parents are. They get, you know, really, really anxious about the, the kid not eating. So I, I don't want to say I had a problem with nutrition, with food regarding like, anorexia for instance because i think that's a way more serious condition that what the situation i was in but i definitely had something off with my food intake and i wasn't eating because i wasn't feeling like it and i was 40 kilos something so i already took maybe 30 kilos which is almost 100 percent of my body weight from when i was 17 so i don't really think that i can go that much higher you know in regards mm-hmm. to my to the body weight and to the mass that i can hold on to because i think i was quote unquote meant to be pretty light well some people's frames it just is what it is right yeah. um you can't and i was the same height i was the same height like my girlfriend was like twice as big as i was uh when when we met uh because i was 40 something and Obviously, I took some took some kilos from then, but you know, um, dude, what? How? Okay, so you were. This is the same girl I've met, obviously, or a different. Yeah, girl. Yeah. it Not is the same. Yeah. How long have you guys been together? For a long time, then. So, we met uh, when I was in the in law school, but we didn't. Um, we didn't. You know, I don't know how to say it in English, but start dating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we didn't start dating when I met her, but we were friends first, and then two years later we started dating, but. So I met her when I was like a 40 kilos <laughs> weighing dude at 17. Uh, and so yeah. uh, and um, when you started dating, how much did you weigh? Yeah, I, I was I was heavier. I think I was close to 70 uh, already. Within two years, I think I added like 20, 30 kilos. So you were like, you met her and then you were like, yeah. how, you, how you like me now? Exactly. <laughs> you're like, you're like, put a pause on this. I'm gonna come back to you, and I got some work to do. But I'll, yeah. I'm coming back. So I I saw my family uh, lately from Greece that I haven't be I had seen I hadn't seen like for some years now, and they're like in they're actually shocked that this little guy that was 40 kilos actually became world champ and in a sport in a strength sport, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that that's where I, I came from. Of all things too, man. That's why you can't tell, man. People, yeah. people like, it's hilarious when people have like kids and um, they see their kid, like their kid's like four years old, right? And they're like, look at him doing whenever he's kicking a ball around. And he's like, he's going to be in the fucking World Cup one day. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And I'm like, stop, man, please stop. Like you have no idea what he just kicked the ball, dude. Stop. Yeah. Like I have, I've had buddies talk about that without their kids. I'm like, Put a pause, man. You have no idea. And then yeah. the one and one kid will be smaller, like you said. And they're like, I don't know. Maybe he's gonna go into like accounting or whatever. It's yeah. like because he's smaller and he's like a teen. It's like, or maybe he becomes a fucking world champion in weightlifting. Like you, yeah. you don't know. People exactly. turn shit around at any point in their life, man. Yeah. And you know, my uncle, he, he didn't say it, you know, to bother me, but more so to to make the point. And he was like, this little guy that I could blew off, and he would just fall. 10 years ago is now world champ in a strength sport. And he's like, look at you now. And, you know, showing my body. And I was like, you know, uh, uncle, I think this first comes here and here. So, which is like the heart, what, what you feel like inside and what you visualize also in your head. And I think that, like you said, the, what's happening 
physically is just the manifestation also of what's happening inside mentally, emotionally, and whatever you're going through. And, you know, one of the main reasons why I started lifting weight was because I was extremely light and um, I, I, I didn't feel comfortable, you know, in my body. And I was like, I, I don't want to feel like it. And maybe lifting some weights could help me out. And it actually did. And then it, it came this, it became this, you know, but at first it was just so me not feeling right in my body and wanting to, you know, be, be bigger and, and stronger, etc. And then ended up being world champ. So like you said, you never know. And that's the same with Turbo Tiff, you know, uh, like I already told you, uh, I met her at a seminar I was giving with Leah and she was lifting like 80 kilo squat, 40 kilo bench, I think she was she wasn't even deadlifting her kilos. And if by then you just stop and you're like, oh, that's a little girl that's 38 kilos, that would never be something else because she's 38 kilos, she's earned a weight and she doesn't know how to lift weights, then you just maybe miss on one of the biggest talents in the sport. Yeah. So that's why I had this vision, like you just said, that when I meet someone, I'm not like looking at them and be like, oh. Is he, is he strong? Is he, is he big or whatever? I'm, I'm trying to look at the, the individual and only time will tell what will happen to that individual. It, it'd be funny if you told your uncle who said that to you, you're like, well, first off, it's not, you know, you don't know what's in someone's heart and their mind. Second off, you know, watch your mouth. Um, so, <laughs> you're like, well, he, honestly, he didn't say it. To me I know, I know. He said it. Family can say whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but you're right, though, in terms of like, I had Agatha on uh, the 76, who's like going head to head with Jess. And she was talking about like earlier on, earlier on in her life. She, and, and still now, she said she's got like a lot of anxiety when it comes to social you know, interactions, um, like a shy person. That's why like hats off to her. First off, she's a teenager from Poland. English is her second language. And she said like she threw her hat in the ring to jump in there on the classic division to go head to head with Jessica Bittner, who's like the biggest star in the world right now for powerlifting. Like everybody's all over Jess right now. So she's like in literally the spotlight is on her. She's like, Holy fuck. And um, she listens to King of Lips podcast. She said, so we're talking about her. She's getting reposted all these, like I'm posting those, those hype pages where it's like her versus Jess and their two pictures and Jess is reposting. And she's like, holy shit the hype is going and um and she said like you know she socially it's difficult and then and then when on top of normally if you take someone who's naturally a socially an introvert and grew up having you know anxiety around social interactions all of a sudden and you're a teenager whose english is your second language you're in a global event with your entire community that you fell in love with watching and talking about you flipping the switch overnight like this yeah. and you're going against the biggest star and she's like holy shit feels overwhelmed about it she's like this is the wildest yeah. um and she was talking about and i'm sure like some of that you could probably identify with because your guys ascension has been almost overnight as well and all of a sudden you guys are massive now but she was talking about how on that podcast something that helped her with her confidence dealing with social anxiety and everything was lifting weights and yeah. it wasn't um you you touched on a little bit here you said it, it there's something about when you're getting physically stronger you act your confidence gets bigger even if like you're not trying to bully number or anything physical. Yeah, yeah. exactly when yeah you walk in the room 
and you are a physically stronger human being. And there's something about like, when you are disciplined and you know you're disciplined, when you test your resolve and you pass those tests, when you make promises to yourself and you commit to those promises and you don't negotiate and you're like, you go through it. When you hit your goals and you're progressing and you're honing a craft and you keep moving towards it and then, and you're physically now strong and you walk into a fucking room like that after years of that, all of a sudden your confidence is a little different. And yeah. people can tell when you walk in a room and you are goal-driven, disciplined, determined, and they could see it just by looking at you. Yeah. You can tell, brother, and they will treat you different and you're going to handle yourself different. And you're exactly. going to talk, you know, and it's, it's a gift, man. You know, when, when I started out, like I was 17 and I saw a video of, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's. C.T. Fletcher, uh, the strongest man you've never heard of. Yes. Dude, I love that video. So that video, I was uh, watching it every day for maybe two years. Whenever I I, I was about to work out, I was watching that video. And sometimes I was even watching it while training. And so, um, you know, then I fell in love with C.T. Fletcher, the character. um, And what happens was... Uh, I, I was watching all of these, all of his videos, and there's one video in which he mentions his cousin Junior Miles. I don't know if you seen that. I'm not sure. Tell, who, who? Junior, like he's one. It's one of his cousins, and his okay. name is Junior Miles. Okay, tell me about it. I might, I might remember. So basically, it's it's pretty short. He was like, I had a cousin Junior Miles, and he was this big, 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 big dude, and. It was like Junior Mai's funeral, um, aunt's funeral, or mom, or I can't remember. And everybody was talking and being maybe too much jovial. Uh, I don't know if that's a word in English. Yeah. Yeah. You know, too much jovial about it. And at some point, he, like, he, he switched. He got up and he was like, everybody, shut the fuck up. And the way C.T. Fletcher said this, it was like, he said the the energy that he displayed when he said that because he said like he was one of the biggest dudes he've ever seen in his, in his life he said even the fucking do- dog stopped barking at the end of the <laughs> of and so it's true a dog when you yeah it, i can picture it <laughs> just imagine that he freaked out a dog and so this story is exactly what you said and that's the way ct fletcher described it he was like i want to be this dude where when I say something, people will actually listen. And it's not about, you know, physical, um, you know, confrontation. It's definitely not about it. It's more so the energy that you're conveying when you're talking about something or when you're behaving yourself. And I think that, um, you know, in France, I don't know how it is in, in other countries, but in France, uh, before, um, the image associated with people lifting weights, not necessarily powerlifting, just, you know, general weightlift uh like general weight weight training people were seen as dummies as dudes that you know oh uh the the blood uh, doesn't go to your brain anymore it goes to your biceps or your muscle or whatever you know dumb thing like that and the thing is actually like you said weight uh training teaches you discipline because it's a really cruel sport where if you miss a week of training or two weeks of training you'll feel it you'll be way, way weaker. Uh, you'll, you'll, you won't have the same sensation about yourself and everything. So I think it's actually 
a really tough sport in that sense where it's really easy to go in, but it's extremely hard to stay in there. And if you stayed in there for a year, two years, three years, and it actually had a, a body transformation, then it teaches you something for life, pretty much. And when I started out, I was actually going to law school and my law school was a really, really uh, hard one. So, you know, top, top two in France. So the, the studies, the, everything we had to do was a lot of weight. It was like maybe 30 hours, 40 hours of, of you know, uh, teaching, but also 30 and 40 hours of work to do at home. So it was extremely taxing. But during this time, I never skipped a single training session. And I think that those years actually teach me a lot of things and helped me to become who I am today. And what's funny is all of those people that, you know, started lifting weights, when they were 17, when they go 22, 23, 25, they start to, you know, question their action and be like, is it worth it to give it that much time for just maybe one inch bigger biceps? Is it worth it? And then what happens is they discover powerlifting. Mm. And they're like, oh, okay. So what you're telling me right now is I can maintain this body and actually have a goal in which I'm a beginner right now. And so... I can actually develop and have a new adventure start because, you know, that's why we want, we want adventures. We want something where we see where we're at day one and we want to see where we, where we will be in day 360, 365. And I have um, maybe two, three big YouTubers in France that DM me in order to do a collab because they actually learned about powerlifting and they were like, I'm, I've been weight training for four, five, six years. I'm done. Like, I don't see any joy in it anymore. And I, I want to lift some big weights. Will you help me with that? And now that's one of the one of the ways powerlifting is developing in France is because those big YouTubers are now talking a lot about powerlifting, whether it be through Instagram, whether it be through YouTube videos and everything. And now all of those general uh, gym goers are like, oh, that's a sport. And actually you can do that, develop yourself, have another goal and also develop a great physique. Great, I'm all in. So I think, you know, this really comes down to a, a full circle. You know, you start because it needs some discipline and it teaches you some discipline. And then at some point it truly, you know, uh, goes away slowly and then you find something else. And right now that's something else is sparling in France. Dude. Okay. So I got a bunch of comments to things that you said there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because you got some good points there, man. Uh, that's why I love these conversations, doggy. But uh, first off, when these YouTubers come to you and they're like, can you help me? It's like, you know, fuck I am, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the king and the queen maker, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I develop world champions. Yeah, I can help you, man. Um, so they went to the right person. But um, let me, okay, so let's double back. First off with C.T. Fletcher. Yeah. Um, I fucking love CT Fletcher yeah, me too, man. and I love that. Like his videos, like when he's lifting and he's like, grow, damn it. Yeah. 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 Grow! He's yelling at his bicep and he goes, I command you to grow. Yeah, crazy. I command you to grow. And he's doing bicep curls. I'm like, yeah. holy fuck, man. My testosterone just shut up. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's not so I love his speeches. And he said one time he was like, so amped up and he's in the warm up room. And um, it, for a powerlifting competition. And he's like, which one of you motherfuckers are coming in second? 
Because <laughs> all of you motherfuckers know who's coming in first. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was it yeah. was like I don't even care if the story's true, man. I yeah, don't care. Yeah, I, yeah, me neither. It doesn't yeah, matter. Neither. It doesn't yeah, yeah, matter, yeah. man. It's it's amazing. Yeah. And also, now this is this is the downside. Um, CT Fletcher, for whatever reason, has blocked King of the Lifts. No, doggy in his son. So I gotta work this out. I think I know what happened. Has to be done, man. Has to be done, dog. Yeah, because uh, he's getting older. He's had heart transplants. He had like yeah. he's he's had moments, and I love CT Fletcher. Yeah, he's too. been. I remember he's been in the hospital here and yeah. there. And um, his son follows King of Lifts. But yeah. one time, I think I have it down to I had a podcast with Ricky Chowan, the villain pug. Yeah. Um, and of course, it's the fucking podcast with Ricky on, huh? The villain and uh, me and Ricky were talking about. His boy, Michael Hearn, uh, who's, what do they call him? He's like in his 50s and he claims to be natty and he's not natty and he's jacked as shit. And um, we are saying he's a fake natty and uh, whatever. He is. He's a fake natty, but I don't give a shit. He's not cheating in a competition where he's getting tested. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Whatever. Um, But so Michael Hearn that week, uh, blocked king of lifts fine uh, your body but i don't really give a shit and i remember telling ricky like oh shit that's kind of weird whatever who cares and then um like within a couple of weeks i didn't realize and i was, was trying to find ct and i'm like i can't what the fuck is he not on instagram anymore so then i flipped over to my personal account and i could find him and i'm like oh, no way and i'll flip back to king of lifts i'm like Oh no, but he was boys with Michael Hearn at the time. Okay. And I'm like, um, and I know his son still follows King of Lifts and, uh, and I've commented and he's commented. So, um, at some, we still, we, we got to, man, we could work this out. Man, this we can work this out, out, man. This, yeah, this kid, yeah, yeah. come on, because, dog, you know, don't I, do I, this. He, yeah. He, you, you can say whatever you want about him, you know, but he inspired so many people. He inspired me. Me so too, maybe if dude, I love see, CT. Yeah, if, if we didn't see his videos, maybe we wouldn't be here talking about it, you know. So he's he's a, such an inspiration. And like you said, I don't really care if it's true, like he, he did say that, and you know, uh I don't care. It's just who he who he is, you know. And what some people have to realize though is not everyone will, will be CT Fletcher in the same fashion that not everyone is Taylor Atwood when you yeah. say some stuff you're not C.D. Fletcher. So it's cool when he says that, when he says that, but when you say it, maybe you're some sort of a douche. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I think yeah, this yeah. has to be... Right. Like, like, right. There's, a, there's times to do it in time. Yeah, yeah. When you try to be somebody else, you yeah. fuck up the timing. Yeah. You fuck up when it's appropriate to. And then, you're, and then when you get a negative reaction, you're like, well, that's everyone loves CT. How come it didn't? Yeah. It's because you're not CT and you're not exactly. doing it appropriately. Exactly. You don't know when to do it, when not. Taylor Atwood can be that same, guy. Same with him. Same yeah. with him. Same with Taylor. You know, uh, and I think that uh, that that works because only he does that. You know, if everyone was able to do quote unquote a, a Taylor Atwood, where you you're like you think you're close but you have no idea, and then boom, yeah. you post up one of the like the biggest total and the craziest total. If uh, if you ask me throughout the whole sports history uh, tested and tested whatever the biggest total and the craziest total in history that works because it's him right and it's him and that's so crazy because no one else is doing it so everybody wants to be taylor atwood and there's only one that's why we call it being taylor atwood (laughs) 
unless you go change your name or do something right. stupid like that. But you're not Taylor right? In the same fashion, you're not City Fletcher. You know, this works because it's them. And you trying to just copy it just, just is at most cringe, at better cringe, and at worst, just completely off. And it, this makes you a douche, basically. It can push people away and you don't mean to, yeah, for sure. but, yeah. but it can. Um, like, yeah, when I was younger, I didn't realize that you get, you, sometimes you, you learn these things as you go and you're like, you realize you're not coming off. You're not being perceived the way you think you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the thing with like Taylor Atwood. So I was talking about, I had a podcast just recently with Lugo in the one twenties yeah. and he was talking about, um, you know, just his mentality was different. He doesn't have the. He, he, he goes to warm up room. He tries to be friends with someone. He'll try to work in with some people and he doesn't get the mentality of like, he, he doesn't identify with the Taylor Atwood and he doesn't yeah. realize. And he was just talking about how, you know, like Taylor was like straight up saying, uh, and this, this podcast blew up what, yeah. after he did that, what he did at USAPL Nats. And yeah. then he came on the podcast. I reached out and was like, dog, you got to come on the podcast. And he's like, I got you fam. Just let me do a couple things. I'm coming. And that podcast, he dropped soundbite after soundbite. And I made videos with the clips of his soundbites and fucking thousands of shares just off the videos, let alone the podcast, just blew up. And some of the, one of the ones he said, his, one of his most famous quote was, yeah. um, you know, you're trying to talk to me in the warm up room and whatnot. And you're trying to be friends with me. And he's like, I'm not here to be a friend. Yeah. I'm here to beat you. And, um, and everyone's like, Goat mentality, hashtag goat mentality. Like people are loving it. And Lugo was saying, he's like, I just can't be like that. I can't, whatever. And he he couldn't put himself in those shoes on why you would do that. And uh, he wasn't saying it harshly, but he was just yeah, saying, like, yeah. honestly. And I said to him, but here's the thing, Lugo. You know, as a 120 pound man, 120 kilo man, sorry, you walk in the room automatically. Um, people are going to treat you a little different. And even if they didn't always treat you that way, because they didn't, he used to be, he said he was a little fat kid who got picked on, but your reaction to that, you ended up being a monster, massive dude. So now his reaction is, I don't want anyone else to feel like I felt because I could yeah, easily, yeah, I could sure. easily bully people. Yeah. So it makes sense. Now you're now he's a super nice guy. Yeah. Who the fuck bullies a 275 pound man. Right. <laughs> there's like 1% of the people walking the earth who was going to try that. Yeah. Whereas Taylor Atwood at five, five, he was five foot five was playing semi-pro football, hitting the football field against 300 pound men who could, you seen those dudes when they run and they could like take out fucking trucks, man. The collision that happens. They said when, uh, when you get blindsided in football is literally like getting hit by a car. They measured the force generated when these two guys go. Taylor, I would be five foot five hitting that fucking field with 300 pounds, six foot five giants. And it is violent crashes. And you got to literally toe that line. You step on that line and wait for your play. And you, you hot, you run out there fearless. And you telling me like the mentality he must've had to have in that locker room, when those big fellas are talking and fucking throwing their weight around to the field, to the weight room, to everything Whatever he did to survive and thrive and make it semi-pro where there's like 25,000 people buying tickets. This is something the powerlifter will never have. 25,000 people will buy a ticket to watch him play football in, in the CFL, in the Canadian Football League. And, and this is where it's like, you know, 
if you heard the way Taylor Atwood carries himself and you're like, I don't think I like it. It's kind of like, I got you. But sometimes when you put yourself in someone's shoes, if they made a movie on him, by the time he got to powerlifting and now he's in his thirties doing his damn thing, you'd be like, I, even if you don't agree, you understand. Yeah. How about that? Sometimes like don't agree, but understand. Yeah. Sure. You know, you know, I'm exactly like that because that's not my mentality neither. But to be honest with you, I think that this aspect works because again, it's Taylor Atwood. You know what I mean? So let's say he totals 650 as a 74 and he's like, I'm not here to be your friend. You're like, who's this guy? Cool. I don't want to be your friend either. Homie, who the fuck? You know, you know the Conor McGregor <laughs> line, like, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. like that because you're like, yeah, nobody cares, man. But it this works, this works, and this has an impact, and this is shared thousands of times because he's actually the, the current goat, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and in a lot of other people's opinion. He's the current goat. That's and you know, he could be different, he could be like hey, I'm here to be your friend and I'm here to inspire you and I'm here to motivate you. And, and you know, I, I want to be friends with everyone and everybody would have, still have reposted it because that's a different message, but this comes from the GOAT. You know, mm-hmm. pretty much the same like Michael Jordan. Why are his lines so mythical? Because he was the GOAT. Why are Ali's lines so mythical? Because he was the GOAT. You know what I mean? So yeah. for me, it's, it's not. And were they the GOAT because of their mentality? I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe they could have behaved a little differently and still be at this level, and maybe not. But we'll never know. The thing is, they had this level in their particular field, and they had this mentality and this way of behaving themselves. Now, I think that again, like we said, this works because it's them. And if if you're not of that caliber as an athlete, I think maybe you should watch what you're saying. And here's something. Here's a quote that stuck with me. Um, I forget who said it, but it was when you're throwing out the worst of you, when you want to be better person, and you think you're throwing out the worst of you, you make sure you're also not throwing out the best of you. And what that means to me is like, if you change one thing, you could change everything. So if you want to soften someone's edges, so to speak, so you're more easily liked and you take a Taylor Atwood and you want to like, soften his edges a little bit so he's not so brash not so arrogant or whatever it's like he might not be the same dude all around then this is how we carry he's not just that guy on a meme he's not just that guy on a podcast clip yeah yeah, yeah, exactly this is what makes him muhammad ali like your what your upbringing makes you so the reason why taylor i taylor i like i just told you a bit of his background in terms of football but muhammad ali when he's like i am the greatest and you get in people's faces and he'd be fighting some guy in the 60s and um he would be like get it brash roll up in the guy's face like he'd walk in a room with like 55 year old white guys who were all like on the typewriters and he'd be like the champ is here and he'd be like brash he grew up at a time when black people couldn't even eat in the same restaurant as these guys and couldn't go to the same school, couldn't even drink from the same fountain. So he was like, your upbringing makes you, he's like, I'm going to show people like be proud chest out when I walk in a room, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to command the room and like, and you you can't, if you change one thing, you change everything. And like, it's, it's difficult. You got to take people sometimes like um, it's one of those deals, man. Like I said, you, you might not, you might not uh, fully get it, but you understand like your background yeah, major, sure. man. 
Yeah. Everyone's got a story. There's yeah, a yeah. reason, man. There's a reason, right? I do feel like it about like the Taylor I would mentality, to be honest with you. Like I I some some of that aspect really resonates bad with us Europeans. Right. Like I'm telling you, extremely bad. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've been told. Instance, <laughs> I've been told. Yeah, yeah. So for instance, I was talking with Heather Connor in the DMs, and at some point, I think she was getting some bad messages from people from Europe or friends. And, you know, this was just her telling to everyone that she thinks she's the GOAT and she's one of the best or the best. And the thing is, when when you say that in the US, you're like, oh, he's confident. He's, he's confident in his ability or he, in his achievements or whatever. But when you say that in Europe or in France, people are like, who is that guy? And mm. why, why, why does he talk like that? And why does he have to put other people down? So I think that's one of the main things that it's cool for us because we won't do it. You know what I mean? And there are some guys who do it and it's either people love them or they despise them. You know what I mean? So that's pretty much this, this same thing. And this really usually resonates bad with us. And so I had to, I explained that to Heather and I was like, you know, that's, that's not the way we, we speak here. And that's maybe not interpreted like this from a lot of people here. And they feel that, for instance, you are bringing down Turbo Tiff. In reality, what you're doing is re- uh, like telling yourself or other people what you think your value is as an athlete, as a, as a people, whatever, as a human being, whatever. But for us, we hear, I'm the best. She's number two. She's below me she's weaker etc etc and, and that's and that's people the thing. don't get that yeah and that's the thing like you kind of are supposed to think that if you're the you're if you're gonna go against somebody you're gonna say like i'm gonna win you're gonna lose doesn't i can like you i can think you're amazing we can go for drinks afterwards but when we play this game i think i'm gonna beat you that's all and it's a it's a game it's a sport it's just a game we're gonna play a game together and i'm gonna win I, I do I do understand that, for instance, for boxing, for MMA, for stuff like that, because there's a physical confront- confrontation between us two. Like, yeah. you want to hurt me, I want to hurt you. And one of us is going to have to, you know, tap out or whatever. Mm-hmm. But for powerlifting, I really don't get that sense. For me, it's just whoever is going to have the biggest battle with his own self and with his own personal ability, that person is going to win. So, you know, for me, there's no really... I'm against Joe Jordan or Eddie Berglund or whatever. I'm against what I'm capable of doing and they're against what they're capable of doing. And the winner will be decided by whoever uh, successes in that, in that task. You know what I mean? That's the way I view the sport. So I would get that for American football, for uh, boxing, MMA, whatever. But for policing, this sounds off to me for that reason. Mm. It's because we're not like you're not about to punch me in the face. Me neither. I'm about yeah. to crush my weight. You're about to crush your weight. And whoever successes this aspect, uh, the better is going to be number one, then number two, and then number three. So that's why it really sounds off for us, especially in powerlifting, for that reason. Again, for boxing, MMA, again, yeah, sounds fair. Or because... even like, it makes sense because even like basketball. Yeah, exactly. Because You go yeah. one-on-one, I'll take yeah. the ball from you. I'll yeah, slam exactly. in your face. Yeah. And yeah, I exactly. actually... I want you to be timid. I want you to exactly. second guess yourself. I want yeah. you, whereas powerlifting, it's like, 
bro, you say whatever you want. I got 60 seconds on that platform, yeah, regardless me. what you do. And, and, and you, you just can't do anything about it. You know, maybe you can, you can uh, push me to pull something really, really big on my third deadlift, but that's the only uh, moment where you'll have an impact on what I'm doing. Because even if you're like pushing me on squats, I just do what I'm able to do on squats. You know, I, I can do nothing more on that day and I can do nothing less. I'll just do what I'm able to do. And that's one of the main reasons why this really sounds off to me. And again, I, I think that I respect that from Taylor Atwood because he's proven himself. He's someone in the sport. He, he's, he's, he's done something that will never be taken away. He, he wrote history, I think. But again, those people are really few. And the other... Yeah. It is, it's, it's true. You can't... It's a sport where you can't impose your will on somebody. I think any sport where if you can impose your will and impose your game, so my game can shut down your game. Exactly, yeah. Even if it's chess, there's no actual physicalness to chess, but my game will shut down your game. I will directly crush you or you will directly crush me. So if you tell me, six, I'm going to crush you. You literally could crush me on chess and be like, Dog, I'm going to shut you down. I know what you're going to do, and it's weak. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Okay. I know your gameplay, and I'm going to crush. But you're actually really going to crush me. Whereas um, I know you mean with powerlifting, you can't impose your game on me. I'm going to lift whatever I'm going to lift. It just is what it is. Whether you're there, you're not there. You're. It has nothing to do with you. It's entirely my relationship with gravity. Yeah, and exactly. you can't change. You can't impact anything. So when I I do know what you mean. It is it is true. But there is um. I don't know, man. Maybe it's, maybe it's people trying to, they watch these other sports or like, like Michael Jordan is like, like somebody's talking, we all seen the last dance documentary is like the most viewed documentary of all time. And someone's talking shit about Jordan. They beat like the bulls lost and someone in the press conference is talking shit. And Jordan's like, I'm coming next game. And I'm going to embarrass that guy in particular. And, And we're going all in. And you can actually, in that sport, even though it's no contact at all, nothing physical, but you can impose yourself on them and you can make someone, you know, you could make some show up on them, you know, make them look foolish, whatever the shit. Um, but I know what you mean where I think these those people, work. These those work because I, I've read some posts that I took personally, you know. Ah, uh, well, here's a, here, yeah, this is true. It could work in reverse. So yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. was that leading into this before or what? Yeah, yeah, like lately. Oh no shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I that I really took personally. So, you know, that's that's some of that. So I, I definitely get that. And I think it's a good thing because it hypes everything. But I think you have to be cautious what you're saying. It's f- for sure. Here's the thing. So while you can't impose your game on somebody on game day, you can bring eyeballs and excitement to the event. Yeah, for sure, yeah. For, and that's real for sure. Like people, um, when things get spicy, I don't know what it is, doggy, but let's be honest. When things get spicy, it's like, oh shit. Like even, even the one podcast you, when you came on and you said like, I'm the chosen one, uh, the God, or I forget what the quote was. It was good. I'm like, the gods have chosen me. I'm going to be the one. And I took that quote. Um, it, it, you were putting no one down. It was just saying like, I believe in myself, yeah. but fuck that thing blew up too, man. And people are like, oh man, I got to see. And if you had lost and people who don't like that kind of talk, if you lose, they're going to make, 
that's right. Yeah. Now you're humble. Remember what that's you said? Right, right. right. They'll, they'll, even if they don't say it to you, they'll be yeah. like, I'm fucking glad he got humbled. But yeah. it, when you win, some people who wish they were that bold or wish when you win, they're like, fucking right. Yeah. You know, or if they're talking to their buddies in group chats and there's some of their buddies like, I fucking hope he loses. He's so cocky. And the one guy's like, nah, man, I fucking like that. Yeah. It's, it, that's what happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It just creates emotional attachment. Yeah. So that's where at least I, this is where at one point we're in powerlifting storyline wise, as long as it's yeah. not like personal, I mean, these, don't these attack them personally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It stays to the sport. Um, I got to admit, man, it, it's just emotional, man. When you're yeah, watching, especially if it's nations. So someone from Canada, if someone from another country attacked the Canadian champ, if I didn't care initially, but the New Zealand guy is like, fucking, I'm going to crush this dude, man. He thinks he's whatever. Wait till world rolls around. I'll be like, even if I'm not that close to the Canadian, I'm like, fuck, man, I hope this guy wins now. Yeah. Now I'm now, even if he says nothing back, I'm like, you actually made me want to watch and cheer for my guy, even though I don't know him very well, just yeah. because And yeah. that actually works on that level, not on imposing the game. The Canadian can be like, whatever, dude, sure. you're not imposing but just on interest. And then yeah, let's say, sure. yeah, it helps. Yeah. And then let's say the Canadian claps back. Oh shit. Now I'm like, fucking right, bro. And I'm in the comments now. And I'm like, let's fucking go. The Canadian flag surf waving and all the shit. Now, so that's where um you're right. You both of us are right. Both things are right. Yeah, I agree. You can't impose your will. And when you when you log off. It's like when we show up, dog, it doesn't matter if you're there, yeah, you're there whatever. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what you said or what you think you, you said or the mindset in which you are, like the motivational speeches that you listen and you tell yourself when, whenever you're going to leave. This, this doesn't matter. Like, like what you said, gravity is gravity. And you, you can have the will to lift 500 kilos and out squat Bray Williams, but chances are you won't. So, however, however, yeah, the like, amount um, of people watching might have yeah, grown, this, a, this might have grown a shitload. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so it, for yourself, was it just like people in general talking shit in comments or actual posts? No, no actual posts. Oh, by like people who are comp you're competing against. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh shit, man. Honestly, rubbed me the wrong way. To be honest. Do you want to talk about it? Or you want to leave it anonymous? Um, we can do both. No, no. Uh, I, I think I think you know everybody will will know who I'm referring to. Uh. So basically, you know, um, like we said, I think there's a fine line between being confident and being, you know, having a douchey attitude. And some of the posts were more so in that douchey attitude, and I took them personally. So what, like you said. What, what was said? What, what was it that made so, you? you know, stuff of, like, basically, it, these, were, these were Joe Jordan's posts, and he was like, you know, um, I'm, I'm my biggest uh, competition If I'm Prime Joe, none of the other 60s have a chance or whatever, you know, stuff of that nature. Mm. And like, like I told you, uh, maybe for you guys, it's more so, oh, he believes in himself and that's good. But for us, it's, it's a disrespect to, to the other athletes, to the other lifters. And I felt disrespected. So I want to make things right uh, on the 7th. Here's the thing. Um... And, and I don't want to dispel it because it gets juicier this way. But uh, did you listen to the podcast when he was on King of the List? Uh, I listened to uh, some bits here and there, but not, not the whole thing. If you listen to it, it might change your mind. But if this is what you need to motivate yourself, don't listen. No, to no, it. no. I, I definitely don't. <laughs> he, he actually bigged up you and said he wants to hang out with you at Worlds. But, but 
if this is the, I, I if this is what you mean, if this I can't is hang out mean. with someone that said that, you know, I, I can't, like, I can't hang, hang out with someone that said that because if he said it, then he believes it. And then I can't. Yeah. He for sure. Um, but what that doesn't seem that offensive though, to me, I don't, I don't. I, to, to me, to me, it really is. And really, you know, again, I think that it's, it's probably, or, or maybe I'm too sensitive about it. Maybe, I don't know, but I would say that it's something cultural. Maybe it's also, it's, it's not only, it it could be cultural as well, but also, um, you're, you're in it. Like you're, you can't separate from like, for instance, not only are you emotionally invested as an athlete, but everything going on in your life that we've talked about in private in everything that's you're emotionally invested and then everything that it means to you for not bigger than yourself, but like for all, like France is looking at you this way and like what you're trying to do for everybody. And you're so emotionally invested. You feel pressure from, you know, your commitments and what you've told people in your personal life to what you've, what you tell people at seminars. And when you go to nationals, and when you see these videos and you're like, fuck me, I got it. Like, we got to do this. And, and uh, so you're very much, and you've dedicated your life to this. So you're emotionally completely attached and you're probably an emotional guy in terms of like, yeah, sure. this is your drive. You, yeah. you post like I post and you talk like I talk in your captions because we both get an emotional attachment to things. So um, when someone says something like, I'm the best and when I'm feeling like I'm feeling nobody's going to take this from me, blah, blah, blah. You're going to be not just culturally, which I think might have a piece of it, but more than that, yeah. or far more emotionally invested than anybody else for sure. For all of those reasons. Yeah. Here's, probably. here's one thing that I'm, that I'm going to give to you though. Okay. And this is a superpower if you can master it. And this is what I've tried to use. Oh, don't, my don't worry. I have. Okay. No, no. I got something else. This is oh, something okay, new. Okay, I got go something ahead. new. I'm going to give you okay, go right ahead. now. Okay. Let's go. Um, well, if you're using this, don't use use this after worlds, but in life, whenever possible, try not purposely try not to take things personally and think that whatever you're saying, even if you're, you, you can attack me and believe it or not, as King of List, people actually attack me, yeah. and make memes and throw DMs and talk shit and whatever. And this is what gets me through. Because some people like I got people in, in group chats who are like, um, how do you not get ruffled or whatever? You keep reposting people who will talk shit about you, or you'll have like you just don't take things super personal. And I tell them, I try to almost never take something personally because you if you don't personally know me, then you can't personally attack me. A number two, nine times out of ten, it has nothing to do with me. In yeah. everything to do with the other person that's not personal so if you were even if you were talking shit about me you're probably seeing something about me that makes you feel a certain way insecure or you wish you had done this but you didn't or you wish you had that opportunity but you didn't you wish you had this shine but you didn't and you blame me for not opening that door for you or whatever it is People come at me for weird things being like you didn't fucking do this or you're not doing that or and they get aggressive an attack. And I tell myself, this isn't actually personal on me. On their end, it is completely about them. And when you stop taking things personal, in life in general, 
It'll affect your mood, your day-to-day, everything, how you respond to things, how you respond to people. And when you forgive people immediately, be like, that ain't about me though. It fucking, it'll help you in a lot of other parts of life. In competition, an edge is okay. Maybe you need this edge to get you to fucking start doing dumbbell presses when you're in pain. And so I'm saying like Jordan would use this edge. So it's different for an athlete. But what I would tell you is um, just ask yourself, if this actually isn't personal, should I take this personally? Yeah, on, honestly, um, first, I think that's hard to do. Like, it's you, hard. You, you can be aware of that, but it's really hard to do. Uh, Agreed. And, and I, I have to fight. Dude, I fight it all the time. There are times when people do comments and I'm like, I want to fucking clap back. Yeah, or they'll, yeah. they'll tag me and I'm like, I could clap back. I know yeah. I could. And then I pause and I'm like, Nah. And then not, not only just to be bigger and above it, but yeah. also I ask myself, like, they're not, this isn't, this isn't personal, man. Yeah. I, you, you know, that's, that's one of the main power. reasons why that's one of the main reasons why I didn't answer or like commented or reposted one of his posts because I was like, you know, it's, it's about him. It's not about me. Although, you know, I did feel uh, disrespected by, by, by this. I understand that it's, quote unquote maybe his mindset his culture whatever and that it's definitely not about me but like you said i'm one of the opponents so mm-hmm. how can i not feel concerned about it how can i not feel involved yeah well here's the thing like put it this way <clears throat> it, it like it is it's a big it is a superpower man to when all things are done to be able to be like we leave it on the platform and you shake yeah, some sure, hands yeah. and be bigger this will than be left on the platform for sure yeah, yeah. and you, and it's like we're both bigger than this in 10 years you'll cross each other's paths and you're like long yeah, you're doing other things yeah well actually you're in different sides of the world you'll probably never see each other again actually but if you ever did yeah you would be like you would you guys will be in different parts in life kids married the whole fucking yeah, yeah, nine yeah. moved on maybe not 10 years because you guys are young but like 15 20 you get it and you'll be like dog was that not the wildest time period and you'd be like that was yeah, fucking wild nobody else will understand what it was like I, dude, I got like for sure things in life. The time separates you from the emotions of the time. And, uh, and then when you look back, it's like you you can share moments. You see things without the the emotional attachment. Um, it's for sure because anyways, I don't want to get into my own personal things, but that would be what I would say is, um, like, like, uh, Jen Milliken was on the podcast and she said, you can get to a point in life where you take so many things personally that like, you know, if you're at a dinner table and someone's loud and you're like, could you be any louder when you're eating? And you're, it's like, Hey man, um, they're not doing that to piss you off. Even though you're getting pissed off, they're just being loud. So don't take that personally. And then she's like, I was getting frustrated to a point where, so you use that in your relationships and be like, they're not personally you you patience. And then she was saying there were points when she would like go outside. If she was like planning a day, if it's fucking raining outside, she'd be like, just my luck. And her husband taught her just your luck. This isn't personal. It's the fucking weather. Like this is, you got to stop taking things personally. It's going to, it can be addictive to, to, to get, to internalize. And then it becomes a humbling. It's a humbling thing to actually be like, um, you can do whatever you say what you want and fucking you, you can beat your chest and it takes nothing away from me. 
And, uh, and I'm so confident in myself. It doesn't fucking affect me. And you could be as yeah. confident as you want. I could be in the same room as you. And when you look at me, I just want you to know I feel the same way. Yeah. There's something there to be like, look yeah, at him sure. and be like, I understand. <clears throat> I understand how you feel about yourself. And, I, and that's fine, King. Do your thing. I feel the same way. <laughs> right? And that's it. That's yeah, it, yeah. brother. That's yeah. it. But again, like I told you, I think uh, being a competition, when you right. say something about your competition, you're actually naming names. You know, although you're not doing it like you're not tagging me or whatever, you're actually naming names. Yeah. So, but but the, like I told you, one of the main reasons why I didn't respond was because of that. Because although I do feel disrespected, this is my feeling. It's not. It's not. Maybe it's not what he was trying to do. And I, I'm, assu- I'm assuming this wasn't what he was trying to do. He was just trying yeah. to tell himself or his, or his followers or whatever that he's that confident in, in himself and good for him. But like I told you, this rubbed me the wrong way. And yeah. um, again, this doesn't re- sit well for me. So, um, but like you said, this will be settled on the platform anyway. It's going to be settled, doggy. No, no matter how many words or how many lines or talk or whatever is going through, this will be settled on the platform. Like this, the number numbers don't lie. You know that uh, I used to play basketball and um, when, when there's a foul that, that wasn't really a foul and you got the, you know, you have the three, the free throws. And when the guy misses the free throws, there are some players that yell, ball don't lie. <laughs> although you got the foul, although you got the foul, um, ball don't lie, ball never lie. So that's pretty much the same. Numbers don't lie. And this will be settled on the um, uh, Jay-Z's got a good one too. In one of his songs, he's like, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Yeah, for sure. Right? That's it. At um, end of the day too, you guys will probably be, unless he leaves the 66s or whatever, but you guys will have plenty of opportunities. This is just the f- yeah. year one. Like yeah. you look at, this could be a sports rivalry for the years to come. Like this is just... Another one, you look back and be like, holy fuck, we went at it like five times, bro, over the next five years. And God knows what's going to happen. Um, but I'll tell you what, anybody listening to this podcast, I'll tell you what, anybody listening to this podcast right now is like, fuck, things just got juicier. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, like, like I told you, I, I, I don't like to talk. Uh, I know, but it happened. But, but like, like, th- this was what I was telling you before. I was like, Will I be able to restrain myself? Because again, I feel that this is my own personal experience with it. And right. I, I don't want to, you know, to throw any any oil on the fire, but that's, it just came. So look, look, wow. you're, you're allowed to feel how you want to feel about it. Your, yeah. your reactions are genuine. You know yeah. what I mean? And you're, and you're, you're, and you're also re- in the moment of, um, like when you're like in prep and it's two weeks out, it's the fucking hardest of preps you're in everything we already said about all the emotional attachments and pressures and everything you feel, everything going on in your personal life. Um, dog, it, it is what it is. And the way you feel now might not be the way you feel day of the next day, that night, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, but right now, this is how you feel. And, yeah. uh, and, and it's honest. And you're just saying, look at, honestly, I took a little bit of offense and, uh, uh, a big one, a big one, because, you know, it, it's not the one-time thing. There are multiple posts. And I was like, oh, okay, this is weird. And th- because, you know, he, we talked in the DMS and we're like, you know, super 
friendly and everything. And for me, you can't be friend like friendly with someone and then post that because again, for me, it's disrespectful. So maybe here's the thing. When we did our podcast and I made that post, um, the gods have chosen me. I am the one, blah, blah, blah. What would everyone else possibly think? Like, would your opposition, Eddie Berglund was probably like, son of a bitch. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I don't think Eddie was. Eddie's so nice of a guy. He probably couldn't have gave whatever, but. Like you said, this this builds the story. And if you want to add that, then he's on my list now. So. Like Joe Jordan's probably like, homie, I was trying to be like you. (laughs) I look up to you, dog. Imagine he did that. You're like, wow. There's only one, but you. <laughs> I don't think because I, I don't think so because uh, that's, no, I, that's I would just joke. You know, yeah, obviously, but again, um, he's he's on my list now. So, what's um? Who do you think is the biggest threat? Is it Joe Jordan or is it like look? Because you can't really look past. I know you've beaten Eddie twice now, but Eddie's oh, strong yeah. as fucking possible. Like at seven twenty eight, even at seventy kilo is insane. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Garcia is um he's capable dude he he's in ter- if he could get his squats he could squat close to 600 pounds if he could if he's got a good day and uh and he can land it but he's got to sink him it's a world standard so we'll see what happens his bench is phenomenal he's a shorter dude with smaller hands on the deadlift where you got the dead on him then kyoto kyoto from japan hit 700 like you have uh, five guys who are murderers it's a murderer's row um, when you look at these guys, who do you think is like, I think this is my main opposition. That, that's actually a threat. So honestly, um, so sadly for him, he can't compete, but I think Ilya would have been the biggest threat in the weight class, to be honest with you. Yeah. And it's crazy to see that a year ago, he was a junior totaling like maybe 60, 660-ish, getting beat up by glad kick, whether it be raw or equipped. And now he beat him actually on both Roll and equipped. Yeah. So he's the guy now. And I think that next world's, um, if you look past him, you're dumb because he's, he's a killer. And uh, I think I, I really wanted to mention his name because he's really a, a really respectful, humble dude, but his talent is incredible. So I think he, it would have been him. But now that he's um, not on the list because of some political stuff, um, I would say Eddie or Joe, yeah, are um, the main competitors. Um, Eddie, because, man, if Eddie can squat 260 at 66 and he can bench 200 plus, you're looking at the big total right there. That's fucking, yeah. Without a big deadlift. And I think he actually attempted 260 also uh, on his deadlift at uh, his nationals at 71 something. So, Man, uh, that makes a huge total. And then for Joe, um, I think I think he's a threat. Also, um, I don't know which of the, of those two guys is the biggest threat. Uh, if I, I had to choose, I would probably go with Eddie being the biggest threat. Uh, but I think it's really a flip uh, on his bench. Like if he can has have his two ten plus two 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 ten two ten plus bench. He's a pain in the ass, and <laughs> uh, then I think he's he's way more beatable uh, without a, a two hundred plus bench. It's it's true. Eddie's he's kind of volatile, right? Where you don't yeah. know what you're gonna get. Yeah, like some, he could like bomb out like he did at Junior World Championship, yeah. or he could put a fucking monster total when he did seven twenty eight. You never know yeah. what this guy's capable of. 
And at Worlds, he did 660-something, and he came third. And at Euros, he did 697, which have been, which would have been five kilos above what I did when I won. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, he's so all over the place. That's, that's like a flip. Like, you can either get the super, super strong, super uh, repeatable Eddie that's going to total 700 plus easy, maybe on second lifts. Or you can get the world's Eddie. But um, to his credit, I think uh, Team Sweden told me that he wasn't training really properly prior to Worlds because he was building a house or something like that. So his training was all over the place. And after Worlds, he actually, quote unquote, got his shit together and worked more seriously. And so the results were there at Euros. When you were at Euros, were you a little like, holy shit, this is gone. This is getting a little close. Like that came right down to the last deadlift. Man, you know that I didn't know that. Uh, So what happened was uh, at nationals that year, so last year, um, I'm taking my last warm up, and man, it's heavy. So it, it, it was like 250, 255 on that, and it's heavy. And my girlfriend was was looking at me, and she was like, "Oh, something's off." Oh. And then you know she she had she had something on her face. And so at Euros, she was actually part of the staff of Team Friends. Uh, and so I'm taking my last warm up, 250 again, and I'm seeing the same face I saw months earlier. Uh, in the warm-up room for French nationals. And I'm like, oh, okay. Your girl's got to get a better poker face, man. Yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> I, told her, I told her that at the end. I told her, you know, I didn't want to see your face, but I saw it. And I saw the exact same face that I saw some months ago. And so then I knew that, oh boy, we're in for a ride because I'm probably not as strong as I think I am on the day. So, you know, I took my opener. Then second attempt, uh, we, we loaded something uh, quite conservative. But man, this was hard. This was mm. harder than my third attempt. And then um, they're like, what, what do you think you can pull? And I'm like, whatever the, I have to pull in order to win. But I honestly, at that time, I didn't know this was going to go down to the last deadlift. And so at first he didn't because uh, the judge is giving uh, like two red, uh, two red lights and one uh, white. But what happened was the jury overruled the decision. And so I went from this position where I was already first to actually had to pull in order to win. When that happened to you, did you, yeah. did you think you had it won? I, I knew that something was off because I was seeing the coaches, you know, like get agitated. And, yeah, and well, dude, that's huge to go from like, it's yours. You guys are shaking hands. All right, we're going to have a little fun with the third, whatever happens to yeah. you're pulling for the win. You lose this. You just lost. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God. And what happened was actually in the warm up. So, so I was mentioning Ilya first. And man, Ilya is the sweetest guy of them all. Like when I was warming up, uh, one of the platform was off at Euros. And so he was like the, the, the um, warm up room was enormous. Like it was huge. And the platforms were like feet and feet and feet and feet away from each other. So um, then I'm seeing a, a platform and Ilya is on the platform. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't mind warming up with him. Although we're competition, I really don't care. I think, again, like I told you, what will happen is who's got his best squat, bench, deadlift, biggest total will win. And warming up with him wasn't a problem for me. And man, the guy was looking at my bench technique and he was actually talking to 
the Russian stuff and be like, oh, look at him, look at him, look at what he's doing with his technique and everything. So this was quite funny. And, you know, he was loading the bar for me. Like he was loading the plates. What the I would fuck? Warm Taylor Atwood's fucking beside yeah. himself if yeah. he hears this. He's yeah. like, no, no, that's not he how was it's warming. done. He was, and so, you know, I was- He's massaging like, your shoulders. But honestly, again, I really enjoyed it because I was like, that's, that's really a healthy and, and true sportsmanship rivalry uh, you know what i mean and so um we end up bench and we're warming up for deadlift and he comes to me and he's shaking my hand and be like congratulations on your win and i'm like what are you talking man like this isn't over yet like and he i think he only got his opener on bench um because of some 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 technical issues or um refereeing issues and so he's like yeah but it's done for me uh, i needed 150 to beat you now i can beat you and I'm like, you know, man, it's not over. So I was actually trying to cheer him up because he was really looking down. And so what happened was because Eddie got his lift uh, overruled by the jury in a good lift, then I had to pull to win. And then Ilya had to pull uh, Eddie's total in order to, to come in second. Mm. So what happened was Eddie take his lift, takes his lift, no lift. I'm I'm taking 282, I think, because I'm I'm safe first. And I know that Ilya will just outpull Eddie by the smallest margin just in order to, to get to come in second. And then what happens was there was a guy in between us. So the jury had the time to overrule. They overrule uh, Eddie's lift, good lift. So now I now I actually have to pull to win. And then Ilya is going to have to pull right after me and either try to outpull Eddie, who's first uh, ahead of me, or I would pull him. That's uh, and he's second and i'm first fuck so, man talking all last seconds and yeah, you were exactly. like like you're like oh my and this is the day that your girlfriend made that face and you're exactly. like okay this isn't a great day and then <laughs> all of this is happening like oh my yeah. god and everything yeah. you had said about the world championships like these guys think i'm a cheese champion i gotta win and now this is happening and you're like all right if you don't get this all yeah. your fears come true you know yeah. what i mean but honestly, I wasn't thinking of that at that moment. Um, well, thank God. You know, I, I, I was thinking about um, my family, like my grandma, my grandpa, you know, my dad, my mom, my brother. They're all like really, really strong people. And I was like, I'm one of them. So if they're strong, I'm strong. So mm-hmm. I'm able to do it. So, you know, I wasn't really concentrating on, you know, uh, oh, this is my title or stuff of that nature. I was more yeah. so focused on myself, you know. And so... I went to pull it and it actually moves better than my second attempt. So I was a little frustrated, but then at that time, I didn't know what Ilya was going to do because Eddie had 697.5. I had 700 and Ilya was able to delete whatever he wanted because he was way over the world record because I think he attempted like 305 or seven, something crazy, you know, crazy number. Fuck me. And man, this was close. Holy, Ilya is a monster, man. Yeah, and he was close. And when I I said close, like really close, maybe two kilos less, he was probably deadlifting it. So three, three, two plus. And Ilya is like 20 years old. He's a kid, he's a child. Yeah, yeah. And so at that time, I didn't know what Ilya was going to do because I was like, we're just 2.5 kilos away. So maybe he he will try to outpull me as well and not try to outpull just Eddie and come in second. And actually what happened was he, they didn't even load the weight in order to beat me. They just loaded the weight in order to beat Eddie and he didn't uh, complete it. But again, this was really close. 
Yeah, man. And I know you mean now we're like, I mean, this kid in Russia upended Gladkick and now he's number one and Gladkick's like a two-time world champion and he's the man. And it's like, Ilya is coming. You know, Bill on the podcast has been talking about Ilya. He was talking about Ilya for a while and he's like, this kid is, he's going to be a freaking a monster when he fully develops because he's, he's really young. And, um, Hopefully, who knows how long the situation with Russia will be in terms of ban, but hopefully he's back by next Worlds. And then, fuck, man. Oh, my goodness. of the 66 is going to be good, man. Yeah. And and the thing is, I talked with him. Uh, He actually just did a competition in March, and he totaled 700. Oh, shit. At like 20. Yeah. Yeah. And again, with a uh, uh, quote-unquote poor bench. I think he benched like 140, 142. When you compare at the quote-unquote um, podium bench, which is 170 plus, you just, ima- just imagine he, he comes to par with his bench. We're so looking what, at 7, 20, 30 plus total. It's nuts because he's a junior. When you look at all this, and he's going to be a junior for a couple more years. He'll be in the open, but he could be in the junior. When you look at all this and you see all this happening, are you like, what's your impression? You're like, oh my God. Like, is it motivation? Is it a little bit like, holy smokes, man. Like, what are you thinking? So actually at the end of this competition, like I told you, I really had a good feeling with him. So I went to see him and actually gave him some bench press advices. That's a mistake. Honestly, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I'm joking. That's, that's, I'm joking. That's the way I view it. Because like I told you, um, I want to be the best in the world. I don't want to be the best in the world because this guy doesn't know how to bench or uh, this guy wasn't here, he was injured or whatever. I want to be the best in the world. And that's the way I view it. I'm like, man, I can't, I can't let him be better than me. I have, to be, I have to get even stronger, even better because... I want to remain the world champion. So that's the way I view it. I'm like, and uh, I really want him to bring his best and to beat him at his best. And if I don't beat him at his best, then it's because I'm not the best in the world. So why would I be world champ when I'm not the best in the world? And if he wins, you could be like, it's because of my bench tips. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I, I'm plugging the, the coaching yeah, services. Yeah, exactly. You're like, and then, and then you you put in the comments of his recap. You put in the comments, and I'm offering coaching services. By the way, <laughs> yeah, you're like, good good improvement on the bench, Ilya. That was wild. That was wild. No, but I, the next day, uh, one of the one of the guy of Team France was like, Pena, when why did you talk to Ilya about the bench? Because He's been asking me to give him handoffs on bench for three hours now, nonstop. Really? So he's working on it? Man, that's, I talked with him and I think you should have him on the podcast. He, he talks somewhat of English. Uh, I don't think an interpreter would be uh, necessary, but man, he's on, an, on another level of involvement. When, when, when we roll into another event, we're like leading into an event where Ilya yeah. is on it. I'll get him on for sure. Yeah, I do sure. need him to speak. So I did interpreters for some of them and it's not quite the same, right? When it's he speaks, like- he speaks somewhat English. Honestly, I, I, I spoke with him uh, for the days after and I think you'll, you, you'll get the essential and he will get also. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's a phenomenal lifter. And again, I only have nothing but respect for this type of, of athlete. And honestly, I don't want to overlook any other 66 uh, because I think Eddie is also super strong. And if you're looking past over Eddie, you're making a mistake. And remember what I told you uh, some years ago, you told me 
Who do you think is going to be one of the biggest threats? And I told you Eddie is going to be that year. Eddie bombed out. This was in 2019. And now look at him now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, for sure. Look at him. Eddie can bring a total like he, yeah. he's done at 70 kilo. If he could figure out a weight cut, make it happen. Holy shit, he's a threat. Yeah, man, 66s are super stacked, super I'm healthy. Really, I'm, I'm really so proud to be part of it. And, um, but you know, although I respect those guys so much and I think they're phenomenal and so talented athletes, I think I'm better. So. Oh, you son of, you just, you just upset some people. Dog. <laughs> be careful how you word that, bro. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, Ilya's going to listen and be like, ah, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Maybe, maybe. But you know, I, I think, I think that's, that's, that's the way I view it. So, but I'm working like crazy, you know, man, I think people underestimate what I've been putting through um, those past weeks. Um, man, sometimes I'm waking up every 15 minutes uh, because I'm in absolute pain. Uh, with my chest, with my traps, whatever. And I'm still going through this because I don't have any other option. Like I have to go through it and I have to give my absolute best and I will battle out until the last second of it. How bad is it? Like the injury and everything, like what happened? So uh, this was the week of French nationals. I was benching and I was like, this is my final bench of the day because I was feeling off a little. Yeah. And I was warming up with 150. And at, at the time, I was, I was benching 170 plus. So I was like, 150 is like, you know, easy weight. I, I start the uh, eccentric part and I hear a pop in my like clavicle. Fuck. And immediately the bar just throws down on me. And my, oh, body, yeah. well, my body, we had the music and everything. And so he was like, oh, why is Fana doing a three count post bench? And I was like, <laughs> he, goes, he, goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, press. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, gives yeah. you the press yeah. command. He, goes, you know, oh, he was listening for- to the music and he was like hugging himself, like with the head nods oh, and everything. Geez. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, uh, so probably um, what it was, uh, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to find the world, uh, the word in English. This was a sprain. Okay. So clavicle and probably first um, rib uh, sprain. And so usually for that, there's nothing you can do. It's just weeks, like you just have to wait. So I've been to like multiple PTs, everything. I did exams, everything. And yeah, they're all pretty much on that page that it's a double sprain. So clavicle and first rib. And people are like, it's crazy that you did that through powerlifting because it's usually an injury that you see in contact sports. Like for instance, football or rugby or, you know, boxing or whatever like yeah. when you have something physical happening to you and so yeah this was you're like this- homie have you seen my grind yeah exactly <laughs> he sees you and he's like he sees it on instagram he's like okay well that makes sense all right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah so it's it's probably a sprain and uh they gave me a um um, um time time you know scale in order to know which what when this should be fine and this was from eight to 12 weeks. Holy and this was shit. Eight, eight or nine weeks ago. Dude. Yeah. So you're like, well, that yeah. doesn't work for my schedule. Exactly. So yeah. we're, 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 when you heard that, are you like, what are you thinking? Are you thinking like, when you first heard it, are you thinking I'm done? Or are you thinking, well, I'm just going to have to be the exception and I'm going to have, I'm, you know, initially, when you first yeah. heard that. 
Honestly, I didn't think about anything because I I, I can't miss training. You know, it, it's, it wasn't really about worlds. It was about training. Like training is something essential for me. I need to train and I need to train hard because that's who I am. Like that's the way I, I express myself. So when I heard that, I was like, okay, then this doesn't change anything. <laughs> I still have to train. So I'll try yeah. to find a way to train around it. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I, I did some dumbbell bunch because um, when, I was, when I was having the dumbbells, this was pushing, pull, putting way, way, way less pressure on my, on my clavicle, on my, on my first, ribs and every, um, first rib and everything. So I was like, okay, if I have to dumbbell bench 80 kilos, then that's, that's what I'll do, you know? And I actually went up, I think, to 75 or 70 something kilos uh, per dumbbell which isn't that bad, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, no matter what, man, I, I just have to do it. And like I told you, I think um, this, this, teached me, this, this told me something. I was like, accept what you have, to, what you have today. Just accept yeah. it. Work hard. If you have to grind 120 because you're in pain, then you'll fucking grind 120 and you'll shut your mouth about it. And then you go home and you repeat and then you repeat. And you know, at that time, I made uh, I made a post and I was like, it's easy to say, I'm going to destroy everything when you're on your absolute best level. But I said it not eight weeks ago, nine weeks ago, I'm going to destroy everything. And I- I'm saying it right now that I'm not able to bench 100 kilos because I wanted to put myself, uh, like my back against the wall. I-, I don't have any other option. I have to find a way to overcome this. And, you know, Given how training is going lately, I'm pretty happy about it. I'm definitely not 100%, uh, but I will be at close. Fuck, man, you got two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. <laughs> oh, I, like, uh, like, I just grinded like 11 seconds on 160, and I was like, two weeks to reach back 170. Doggy, that's a bit, you got, yeah, wow. Are you a man of faith? <laughs> not, not really. Not you, really you, you go, you go. You go starting to become one, dude. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like Chance Mitchell says, I find God, man. Hashtag yeah. find God, homie. Yeah. Here we go. Here I'll, try, we go. I'll have to become one. But again, you know, I think honestly, this helped me because uh, all of the PTs I went, I went to and they were like, you know, honestly, I don't think you can aggravate anything. It just, you have to deal with the pain. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's sweet. Yeah. I, I can go, I can go berserk and just handle the pain. So that's what I did when I heard that. You know what I like what you just said when you were talking about it all is um, I have to do this because this is how I express myself. Yeah. And it's, uh, I had a conversation with Sophia Ellis from Great yeah. Britain. She was yeah. part of the keep when we were in 2021 worlds, which forever 2021 worlds, I'll always <laughs> associate that the name like a keep and like our crew we had. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's crazy, that. Man. It's yeah. amazing um, in terms of moments we had. But um, I remember, I had Sophia Ellis on and how we're talking like people, like people have passions. If they play the guitar, if they paint paintings, it's a passion. And this is how they express themselves. So you see the guitar or sorry, you, you see the painting, you hear the guitar, you hear the music and you could, you feel it and you get an emotion from it. And you're like, I feel what they felt when he wrote that song, when he painted that painting, when she wrote that song, she painted that painting. I feel what they felt and it it impacts me. And then we had a conversation about sports sometimes can be so fucking beautiful 
because you can watch somebody paint a masterpiece and you can actually, I'm telling you, dog, I was a child when that Vander Holyfield thing happened and I could see it on his face. I could feel the emotion when he, he the announcer's like, he doesn't got to do this. And he would answer that fucking bell and be like, no, but I do. Yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not going to win on points, but I'm going to make a point. And, yeah. and like you questioned my heart and you weren't, you won't after this, you're going to waste witness something special today. And I remember like, it was, it was beautiful. And it was, he was expressing himself and you could feel his emotion. And this is sports sometimes is an opportunity. Like, this is how you're going to express yourself. Like, no, you can't, you can't take the fucking paintbrush out of my hand or take the guitar out of my hand. Like, this is what I do. And some people don't get it. And, um, and maybe, you know what? I was telling you, don't take things personally, but you know what? I also said earlier, don't be careful. Don't throw out the bad because you might be thro- the worst of you because you might be throwing out the best of you. That's you, man. You're, mm. you're emotional. This is how you express yourself. And yeah, yeah. you aren't, this is all part of you, dude. This is your drive. Yeah. This is what makes you fucking dumbbell press when they're like, dog, it's just about pain. You're like, say less, I'll take the pain. Yeah. And like, but you don't have to do this. You don't have, nah, but I do. And like the whole drive to like everything man, from like, you know, we could go into you're like learn English, hook up with Coco. There's absolutely no reason to believe that anything you're going to do is possible. I, when Coco was on, I was like, dude, it's like you and Penna, um, you drop out. He dropped out of medical school. Yeah. You drop out of law school. It wasn't yeah. like you dropped out of fucking like some cheesy shit anyways. That was like, like, you know, philosophy or some shit. People like, well, you weren't going to get a job anyways. You guys were going to be lawyers and doctors and whatever the hell to pursue a passion that nobody had before you had done. You, there wasn't infrastructure there. There wasn't in France, Mike T., Joey Flex, nobody, nobody had done this. Nobody around you was properly like, there was a language barrier. All of the, like Coco's like, I learned English just to learn powerlifting, just to make this happen. And everyone around me is like, you're crazy. Nobody from around here is doing, we don't even have world champions. What the fuck are you guys talking about? And he was a teenager. And he's like, well, I met a guy named Penna and he thinks he could do this too. And it's like, I'm like, you guys are like those guys who dropped out of school, formed a, a, a indie band and it fucking blew up and worked. And now you look back and it's like all, and he was doing those digital classrooms, online classrooms, like you were with RTS and all the rest of it. And now you look back and it's like, now I'm, I could, your passion and the way you go all in, that's what carries you through it. What yeah. <laughs> a bad. So if you got some misunderstandings with some people, Fuck it. It is what it yeah, is. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it is what it is, man. You can't change. You can't, you can't soften the edges sometimes, man. It's what drives so, you. Know, you know, uh, like what you said is bringing crazy memories for me, but at first, like, it, it's not that there was nothing in France. It was that you, you, you weren't get paid in order to do a powerlifting program because the, the older coaches were doing this for free. So why would someone why would somebody pay for something that they've been giving out for free? Yeah, you know this doesn't make any sense. So we actually dropped uh, our our um, mutual schools just because we were like we found a reason we we found something, and you know all of those years I was questioning my future. I was like, 
do I really want to be a lawyer? What do I really want to do? In which company do I want to work? And stuff of that nature. And when I discovered powerlifting, I was like, that's it. I don't have to search anywhere else. I just found it, you know. And although this wasn't something like financially sustainable or you couldn't be like, oh, I'm going to be the, the French Joey Flex because this wasn't even, you know, imaginable. Like we we didn't even know who uh, knew who was Joey Flex at the time in French yeah. because we had this, this thing where we're like, oh, okay. And nobody thought that you could be paid in order to do a powerlifting program. And at first I was coaching people for 20 euros a month. And this was a full-time job for me, 20 mm-hmm. euros a month. And, you know, we, we, we grew in and then, but my, my point is we've been doing this when there was nothing on the line. And we've been doing this with the same intensity, the same heart, the same passion as now that there are more, more stuff on the line, obviously. But I was doing it since day one, man. So if you add something for me on that aspect, it's, it's just the layer on the cake. I'm already eating the cake. I'm already in that aspect and in that mindset where training is essential for me. Like, even if I'm in pain, I'm going to train. Like, I'm not talking a lot about it on social media because I'm not this type of guy, but it's been eight weeks, nine weeks, man, that I wake up every night, 20 times a night in pain because I can find a position in which I, I don't feel pain. And they told me, you know, it's it's just because of that, of that you know, um, trauma uh that you experienced and there's nothing you can do about it uh and i was like okay then that's that's fine and i, I could have been like you know eight weeks out i see that eddie post, uh, posts up a, a massive total i see that joe jordan's training is going well i could have been like you know let's drop walls and i will say that i was injured and you know if if i wasn't injured i would have beat the guy that's coming yeah. that came first and that's the correct world champion and i would have been like i'm still the world champion uh, it's just that i was injured and whatever but even if right now i wouldn't be where i'm at in terms of uh, how well i've recuperated i wouldn't have done it because i never quitted powerlifting because i found powerlifting and powerlifting found me so even if i'm in pain every night i'm going to train because that's who I am. Like, I, I don't have any other option. And if you want to, to depress me, you just don't allow me to train. You don't allow me to go to the gym. And then within two days, I'm off. And the worst part of my uh, injury wasn't actually the nights where I wake up in, in agony or in absolute pain because I feel like, like a sumo is walking on me, basically. It's the two or three days right after it happened that I wasn't able to train at all. And then when I was in that situation where for days I wasn't able to train, even if I was able to bench 60 kilos, man, I was smiling. I was happy. I was like, no matter what I'm going to do out worlds, either way I'm going there and I'm going there with the firm intention to win whatever my level is. But no matter what, man, the journey from here to worlds will be eight, nine weeks of training. And I just love it. So even if there weren't no competitions, I would still do exactly the same thing with the same intensity because I'm not doing it because I'm pushed by others. I'm doing it because that's why I love. And that's the way I express myself. That's my art. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%, man. And, and um, look, at it, exactly everything I said about like when, when you look at a painting or hear a song and you fucking feel the emotions they felt. You're the type of guy that because you're emotionally driven um when you hit the platform 
And you're like, you will see it when you fucking grind out those reps and fight for every fucking rep. It is straight out of a movie. And then when I'm like, there he is, ladies and gentlemen, there's the grind king. You turn around, you throw your hands up. It is like, that is how you express yourself. It actually, it, it's not, it doesn't always come through for everybody, but for you, it literally is like, yeah, man, I could show you how badly I want it. I could, sh- I get, I get an opportunity to show you. And we had a conversation. Um, we've had uh, either on the podcast or DM, I can't remember. And I remember telling you exactly the same mentality as well. You, where you were saying, I could not show up because I for really real am injured. And I could say, look, if I was there, this is what I would have done. Um, but th- we've had conversations previously where you don't become a champion by not showing up and, t- and saying that. And other people would even support you in that and be like, our boy would have done this if he was yeah, there. For sure. The thing is, that's not how champions fucking do it championships are won on the platform and whatever you've done in the gym or other competitions we've seen like yeah i got you but on at worlds all your totals went down you can't say i did this total it'll come with doesn't always work like that that's not sports baby we know this so it's like um so to to find out you don't get to do a local meet or a regional, a nationals, or gym total, you don't get to take your total and say, my total would have done this. You have to show up because we know it doesn't work like that. We've seen it doesn't work like that. And when you show up on that day, fucked up things happen. And all of a sudden it's like, guess what? You're pulling for the win. I thought we won with my last pull. Jury's overturned and this happened, that happened. And like things happen that's how that's what sports are so why we watch is why we tune in to watch yeah. otherwise exactly. the yankees would win the world series every year because they're stacked exactly yeah that's exactly it and you know that's that's what i like and that's what i actually uh, tell to the athletes that i work with you know when they're like oh i overshot the rpe i was supposed to be rp8 and i added an rp9 or rp7 and i'm like you know um you know why bets work like sports bet because human sports performance isn't 100% um, foreseeable. Mm -hmm. You can think this will happen, but there's a slight chance this won't happen. And that's the exact opposite that happens. So don't try to fight something that will actually inevitably happen and try to find ways to bounce back. You overshot your top set, that's okay. Try to go a little lighter on the back of work or the volume that you have to do. You undershot, that's okay. You have to... uh, uh, rethink everything and what you thought was going to be your uh, top set of the day is actually your last warm-up and now you have to go five kilos or 10 kilos more and i view my prep for worlds this way i was like i don't know what i'm going to be able to squat tomorrow or in a week or a bench uh, or in, in two weeks and i really don't care i'm going to take whatever i have on every day based on the program that i wrote for myself and I'm going to show up at Worlds. And if I have to take a beating, I will take my beating. If I win, I will win. And there won't be any, any inch of me even thinking, oh, if I wouldn't have injured myself, I would have beat that guy or I would have done this or done that. It's not like that. You show up, you do your squat, you do your bench, you do your deadlift. Whoever gets the biggest total wins, plain and simple, go back to training and we'll see you again at Worlds next year. That's right. We'll see you again. Shake hands. We'll play again. <laughs> There's always, there's always another game to be played, right? It ain't yeah. over. The story doesn't over there unless you retire right there. You retired? No? Well, 
You got another opportunity. Yeah. That's yeah. the beautiful thing. Let me tell you the follow-up story to Evander Holyfield. Let's go. So Evander Holyfield loses that, right? And um, it's like, ah, oh, shit, I'm, I'm, I'm gutted, but I'm riveted. And it spoke to me like fucking art spoke to me. And I'll, I'll remember this for the rest of my life. So I'm a kid and they announce he's going to fight Riddick Bo again or rematch. And I'm like, holy shit, man, the next year. And I'm like, this guy is now my hero. But I seen what happened the first time in a round. Like, I can't stand to see that again. It'll fucking gut me. And I'm a kid, so I can't buy the pay-per-view. I'm not going to a sports bar for it. So I, I, they're, they're building this on all the posters. They name the, the, the card, the fights. And it's called Repeat or Revenge. Bo Holyfield 2. Repeat or Revenge. And they pulled 45 sports writers. And like 40 of them said it's going to be repeat. Because he thoroughly took a beating. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like... I can't tell you how emotionally invested I was with this. This is like, you've got whatever album took it home, threw it on and it spoke to your heart, whatever painting, whatever picture, whatever it was art that spoke to you. So I remember as a kid being up all night Saturday when I knew it was happening and I couldn't fucking sleep. Cause like I was anxious and I didn't know what was going on. And then Sunday I went down, walked down to the convenience store when I knew the newspapers were coming out. I remember entering the store and it was like my fucking heart was pumping and it's crazy, man. Opening it up, walking over to the newsstand. And I remember like, this is repeat or revenge, repeat or revenge. And fucking everyone was saying it's going to be repeat. And I remember thinking it's going to be repeat. And I just, I fucking knew I was going to look at that picture and Evander Holyfield would have been knocked out this time. And I grabbed the newspaper and it was on the cover and in big, bold letters, revenge. And I was like, holy shit, but how? How? And it's, that's, that's sports, man. That's life. It's, it's not over. It doesn't end there, dog. You know, you, it, you just keep coming back, man. And I, you learn so much from this shit. It, it, like that kind of stuff molds you from a young age. And, and how you take things. Uh, but anyways, man. Yeah. You know, this, this reminds me of, I, I don't know if you saw the uh, heavyweight title uh, for the UFC between uh, Cyril Gann and Francis Ngannou. Yeah. So actually in France, uh, this was supposed to, supposed to start at 4 a.m., something like that. And it started actually at 6.30. So I had the big, big, big SBD training session the whole day. I had coaching to do. I did my coaching. Then 4 a.m. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to watch the, the fight and that's okay. 4 a.m., nothing. 5 a.m., nothing. Starting to fall over asleep, but I was like, I have to watch this fight. You know, it's between two Frenchmen and, and for the heavyweight uh, title of the UFC. So that's something big. So, you know, I, I got up. And I, I don't know if you remember, remember at that time, what was happening was everybody was saying, Cyril is going to beat Francis out. He's, he's faster. He's faster. He's, he has more technique. He has the knockout power. Uh, he, he, he has the distance. Francis uh, was badly injured too. And he was injured too. Badly injured. Exactly. And, but I think we didn't know that. Uh, well, when, he came in with, when he came in with two yeah, knees, exactly. we were like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Before, <laughs> beforehand, we didn't know. And back then, everybody was already like, Cyril is on, on another level and he's going to beat Francis down. 
then like you said, you saw him come in with the SBD knee sleeves and you're like, what happened to my men's? Like, yeah. is, is it for the style or, <laughs> and you know, I don't know if you remember what happened, but Francis actually won. Yeah. You know, as much as I love Cyril because man, he's, you know, he has the attitude smiling all the time and making jokes and everything. And I love this guy. I was so happy that Francis won because he was beating all of the odds and his back was against the wall. I don't know if you remember, but he was in a bad situation with the UFC. They were about to cut his contract and everything. And so the, the UFC actually wanted him to lose in order to have the new champion and be on, on, a, on, a, you know, on a better dynamic for the heavyweight division. Yeah. And now Francis has his back against the wall. If he loses, his life just takes a complete different shift. He, he fucked up his knee some weeks ago in training. Doctors told him that he takes the risks, uh, the risk to have a life to, lifelong injury if something bad happens in the cage. He goes there, wins. And here's the thing, too. Every, like, w- so you're 100%. I remember um, his contract is the last fight. Yeah, if last he fight. loses, yeah. he renegotiates not as the champion and yeah. coming off a loss. If he, like, you're getting killed. They're going to crush you. They're amazing negotiators. Also, he was putting uh, needles in the the UFC's ass because he was talking about not being paid enough and that, you know, this wasn't fair for him. And he actually didn't want to re-sign the contract. He was was extremely vocal in all the press leading into this. And so it was ratcheted up. So, and if he wins, he's he's negotiating as the champion. And so it was so heavily tense. Everyone knew the UFC wanted Francis, uh, or sorry, wanted uh, gone to win yeah. because Francis is like running his mouth in the media were underpaid and, and going at Dana White personally. And yeah. then saying like, I should be paid this much. And like, and also on top of that, his contract was coming up. And then, yeah. oh, by the way, he blows out his fucking knees and Francis's biggest weapon is his knockout punch. And he's a devastating striker. And when he went in there, he was like, I can't base with my legs and turn over with my, cause my knees. So he had to change his game plan and become a grappler. And he shot in over and over shot, took on to the ground and just changed his whole game up. and was like, always in hot water. This could have turned ugly at any minute. And he won. And it's like, fucking holy shit, man. Yeah. And you know, what's funny about it is um, probably uh, Cyril's, uh, training camp was around Francis knockout power and a way yeah. to, to, to neutralize it, to, to make it not, not efficient against him. But Francis injury actually changed the game plan. And maybe that's the sole reason he won. And maybe if it was healthy Francis, he would have, lo- he would have lost against Cyril Gunn because of that. So, you know, um, and, and actually uh, I, I didn't think to, uh, of that uh, for my prep, but what happened was because I was injured and I had to, find ways to do things differently, actually rediscovered some technical aspects on my lift that actually I had lost for some time. No shit. You know, there's, there's a little bit of that because to be quite honest, I'm not posting everything. Ah, gosh. <laughs> you go, you go. And to be even more honest, I never got injured. <laughs> I, would, I, would have, I would have loved to go can you imagine can you imagine your your, your total is like Mind seven games. it's like 750 and you're like yeah. Mind games. Never it was never injured my games 
And, you, and you're like, and Joe, I was never mad at you, bro. I was just fucking around, man. It's fun, dude. It's fun, bro. Don't take, yeah. don't take things so seriously. I'm like, that would be the wildest. <laughs> this would be amazing. They need to make a movie about you. Oh, that reminds me, talking about need to make a movie about you. Dude, your fucking YouTube video of you winning worlds was amazing. I love, dude, it was so well done. Um, who did that, dude? Like, I love that video. I uh, think that's that's actually my girlfriend that's doing my YouTube videos. She's got talent, man. Yeah, yeah. she's, she's good. Like she's self taught. Dude, I didn't know your girl was that good. Like, holy smokes, man! Because I watch. I thought you hired somebody. No, no, no. Is this no, what no, she no. does for a living? Uh, well, actually, he she's like sort of my manager. So she's basically doing the YouTube videos. Uh, whenever we'll, we are filming content and content and everything. Yeah. So, and she's actually um, behind Silent Worker. So I'm mostly the image of Silent Worker with yeah. uh, Coco and Anissa is actually doing all of the work uh, behind the scenes. Dude, Anissa is fucking talented. She should be, she should like um, put it out there to like do videos for other people yeah. if they want it. Because like, as if she, I don't know how much time she has, but yeah. if she could like, if people, I didn't know that was her, dude. Yeah, that was a like. I mean, a very well done video. I, I, I'm not bullshitting you. I thought you had spent money on like some, some people you knew that this is what they do because uh, I remember watching it and taking clips of it and putting on King of Lifts because like that's fucking dope. Um, yeah, it was very well done. When I seen, it, I was like, dude, you got to do an English version or put English captions because it was I think too I good. Did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you yeah, did. Yeah, you yeah. ended up. But I remember being this like, was long. This was long. Like I think it took me like maybe three hours to add the the subtitles. So for for videos like that, yeah. And spoilers, I might do another one for uh, this world's event. No, you know, obviously, no matter the outcome. So yeah. even if I don't win, I'm I'm not going to not not reveal it because I actually want to show people how it is from the inside. And people have some ideas about what it means to be like a competitive powerlifter or whatever. And I really want to show them the harsh truth, you know? So the ups, obviously, but also the downs. Well, not only that, and that's true, but not only that, um, if you don't win, like my story, I just told you about Evander Holyfield. Yeah. When I told you he won, if you just saw the video of him winning, it doesn't mean nearly as much if you didn't see him lose. Exactly. Yeah. The only reason why that story means anything is yeah, because he fucking bounced back. So yeah. I know some people don't want to show if they take a loss. It's like, no, but this sets up your, like, this, this is what life is, bro. Like, yeah. that's why, um, like, yes, it shows everything. But when you're, when you're like retired, uh, you know, 10 years or whatever the shit you'll have, it's not just this, it'll be up, down, all over. And it's the ride that is riveting. Yeah. And if you only show the highs, it's actually boring. Like if I, if you, sure. if I just watched Holyfield beat Bo, it would have been like, okay. Yeah. And anyone watching with me would be, wouldn't get it. Like, no, you don't understand. You don't, you didn't see last time. You didn't see yeah. all this shit. And they're like, why are you so emotionally invested? It's like, you don't know. You don't get it. You have to have the whole picture. That's why like, yeah, keep doing it. And um, yeah, dude, you're lucky your girl does it because it's, yeah. you know, you, you got, you got someone right with you the whole time. Like they could be with you through it all like when like when you're going to your your rehab sessions or like whatever they're always with you yeah so you know she was the thing is she was with me the whole time so when i first started powerlifting i was like 
regional champ uh, in the in the Paris area of France. She was with me th the whole time. And so when I took a serious beating at Worlds in 2019, when we met, uh, so uh, yeah, I think, yeah, we met in 2019 uh, at Worlds. Man, this day I remember, I think I came in fifth and man, I was feeling horrible. Like I remember uh, I didn't cry throughout the whole time. And then at some point, Uh, I have a, a good a good buddy of mine who's also my uh, my Cairo. Uh, he comes he comes to me and he hugs me, you know, in order to you know make make me feel better. And I just cry in his arms. You know, he's he's a dude. Like he, yeah. it's it's not really comfortable to cry in another dude. <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, like, oh shit, he's cold. He's holding. Yeah. and yeah. so I'm crying. And I remember, you know, I I wasn't thinking about the words that were coming out of my mouth, and I was like, I sacrificed so much for it. And it just came apart. I, I tried to build something and I'm seeing it just fall apart. And I don't know what to do. And then COVID happens, no nothing for months, for years. And then the redemption on 2021. Yeah, so yeah. like you said, maybe this win meant so many things because I went through this down, you know. and man like you said it's 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 and honestly people right now uh, don't know that like I, i'll say right now i'm i'm going to be a fanboy but man taylor atwood is one of my favorite athletes you know although i don't get um on the same level as him for the mindset regarding competition i don't care like i really like the athlete i think he has the attitude his lifts are crazy whatever and so people tuning into powerlifting right now are like man taylor is untouchable he's the goat Man, in 2016, 17, Taylor was taking beatings. Yeah. He was coming in second, third. You actually said in one of his uh, world's performance that he doesn't have a big dead on him. Uh, dude, I can't Never. leave him. Here's what I said. Here's what I said. And Taylor will never let me live. I, I, so I, I fucking said, and God, Taylor, let it go, bro. But um, I said, uh, Excellent squatter, excellent bencher, fair deadlift. And I said, and that's what I, I paused and I said, fair deadlift. And he goes, he was like, what the fuck? And I mean, he waited like three years to drop that Instagram post to burn me, to be like, d d what's my deadlift? He tagged me and he like did that whole, and I took that personal. He took the meme with Michael Jordan, like, yeah. I took that personal. And yeah. I was like, Bro, it's been three years, man. You gotta, but um, in PA Nats, remember he showed up injured yeah, and he yeah. didn't have to do, he didn't have to go all out because he showed yeah. up injured. Yeah. And afterwards, someone's like, dude, when he fucking came out for the deadlift and it was like a warm up, you should have been fair deadlift. <laughs> fair, that's a fair deadlift. It'd be like, I got you again. I got yeah. you back. But I'm like, dude, if I say that to Taylor, he, if I did, he'd be like, game on, bro. Another five yeah. years of this. That's it. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? Then, then he, then he's going to have to deadlift 380 kilos, and this won't be fun for the other 74s. So yeah, exactly. But yeah, but, you know, Taylor is is seeming untouchable right now. But man, Taylor was taking beatings actually in 16, 17. Uh, I think he maybe won in 18, right? Right, correct? He won in 18, yeah. 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 But first, the two previous years, he, he was actually beat by two other dudes. And I think he came in second and second. Yeah, he came in. And one of the guys who beat him, so this is, one of the guys who beat him was uh, 
shell from yeah. no way. No way. No right. That's right. Yeah. And I had him on a podcast too. So he beat Shell beat him in 2017. Taylor came back 2018, but he wasn't there. Shell wasn't there. Yeah. Uh Backland. And so it was kind of like you were saying, like, well, you're champ, but you didn't beat me. Yeah. So then um 2019 is when Taylor and Shell were gonna sort this out. There can yeah. only be one. And people yeah. don't. I mean, 2019 was a long time ago, but for some people, it was like we have a whole new cast of people that probably yeah. weren't even around sure. then. And yeah. um, and that's when Taylor beat him, and that's why when Taylor hit the squat and he fucking flew up in the air like four feet because crazy, Shell, crazy picture, crazy picture. It's an amazing picture. It's a sports moment for us. It's a powerlifting. Yeah. It's a sports moment. Yeah. Shell was on the podcast and he was talking spicy. Yeah. He was yeah, saying I like, I remember, I remember, remember? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he was I like, yeah, bring your best. Um, you know, like I want your best. I want now we're going to sort it. You won when I wasn't there and he was playing the game and yeah. Taylor came on the podcast himself when it was like, all, you know, whatever, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm coming with my blow. There was, it was spicy. And then Taylor did what he did in 2019. And like, that's really when Taylor became yeah. Taylor Atwood. But, but then, you know, he was already super strong, but he wasn't untouchable. So no. I think that people have to realize that in order to get at a certain level, you have to go through some steps. Yeah. And the Taylor, we, who's actually, I think in my opinion right now, the number one ranked athlete and the best athlete currently, wasn't, he wasn't the best athlete currently three years ago, four years ago. He worked so hard in order to get there. And this doesn't happen overnight. You actually have to take some beatings. You actually have to take some L's and to actually come back stronger. And um, it's funny because right now, if someone comes into powerlifting like t today, he'll be like, oh man, Taylor is the GOAT, untouchable. But then you remember four years ago, five years ago, he was taking second, third, st stuff like that. So, you know, I really like it because, and that's why he's one of my favorite powerlifters. I have to have him and uh, Coco uh, for various reasons. <clears throat> but because he's, he's done it. You know what I mean? He was one of the top guys for years, but not in that conversation, like best in the hi sports history. And now he is. And it's unquestionable. He, he had to turn it around. Look, at in the Arnold Classic, Jason Tremblay, his coach, showed up in a fucking suit. And they were all like, and they were going to go head to head with um, Josh Hancock from Canada. Yeah, and yeah. it was a big showdown. Yeah. And, and, and Jason showed up in a suit and he had his clipboard and they thought like they were, they thought like they were like, you know, going to do the thing, a breakout that everyone's going to be talking about Taylor Atwood. Taylor bombed out. Oh, did he? And Jason Trombley was like, I can't even tell you what it felt like, like just to go back. He was like, I can't now all's all that ends well. Cause years go by. But yeah. he's like, at that moment, there was so much hype around Josh versus Taylor and, and there was trash talk. And he's like, and I show up in a suit and it's all like what we're going to do. And this is going to be our coming out party. It's the Arnold classic. And this is when you were breaking records, like Canadian records, because, because Josh Hancock's a Canadian, they're breaking world records um, at the Arnold and Taylor like straight up bombed on squats. Didn't even get a single lift in. And you got to think like Jason and Taylor, like it's all good now, but at that point in time, the rattled, shaken, holy fuck, are we just not, like, you, you start checking yourself yeah. in, in the embarrassment in the whole nine, and then you got to come back. Yeah. And then when you come back, 2016 Worlds, 
Um, Taylor, Taylor, again, he got either second or third. I can't remember, but he be podium, but he wasn't the man. Yeah. Then you come back 2017 and it's shell who shallow let you know if he's going to beat you. Shallow's a confident guy. He's a world champion equipped classic. He's, he's a fucking f- a phenomenal powerlifter. And he comes in second to shell in a massive showdown. He's like, I don't want to lose this guy, but you do lose to that guy. And I Rochelle is a dude who's like, he would, t- he was talking shit to Yang Su Ren saying like, I'm going to come up to 83 and take your world record deadlift at 83. And he came up and did it. Like shall shall let you know. And, um, and Taylor is confident and, and if person he is to have someone beat you and talk like that, it's gotta be like, fuck. he's emotional. He's emotional. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, um, so you got to think like people, like, like you said, people think like, well, he's, he always wins. He's always had it easy. No, he's had gut check times. He's had sure. times where he had to go home and be like, fucking, am I just not the guy I think I am? Or yeah. are we not, what are we doing? And yeah. he talked about, um, they leveled up after 2017, they leveled up and they did like a massive overhaul on all of his training and the whole nine. Anyways, this is what happens when you have to gut check. It's a, a loss okay. is sure. sometimes the best thing that can happen to you. And they leveled up 2018. They won 2019. The big rematch with Shell where it's like, let's rock and roll. Let's see what happens now. Uh, you won when you won, or I won when you weren't there. When you were there, you beat me. Now we solidify it. And, he, and Taylor won. And that's why when people saw Taylor shoot up in the air like that, these iconic moments, when you actually know the background story, you're like, got it. Now I got it. Yeah. The alleviating of pressure, like I fucking, I'm yeah. gonna, I am the guy I said I was. I am the guy I, I told people I was. I am that guy. And all of a sudden, when you hit that fucking squat and you realize I'm about to beat Shell, I'm about to put that to rest. I'm about to prove like everything. And now like, I'm, and he shoots up and now years go by and it's like, well, Taylor never loses. Taylor, just like you said. And it's like, that story would actually suck. It'd be worse if Taylor's walked yeah. in, always had it his way and he was yeah. always good. That's actually and remember, and also remember, at some point, uh, the the, the storyline about uh, you think you're close, but you have no idea is actually Perk was putting up numbers that Taylor had put up some weeks, some some months ago. Right. And so people were like, oh, uh, we thought that Taylor Atwood was untouchable. And now Perk is is hitting his numbers. And yeah. Perk was actually playing the game also. He was like in this shonen mentality where there's the goat, but, you know, man, I want... I want to be part of it. So I'm going to try to challenge the goat. And, you know, it was, it was, uh, I think respectfully done, but he was also like, uh, they, they don't know what's coming. Right. And then uh, I'm getting close. I think he was saying stuff like that. And then Taylor answers with the infamous, you think you're close, but you have no idea. Yeah. It it was, it was, um, it was essentially because perk does like he puts taylor on a pedestal super nice guy but he was saying essentially just like because he he was perk hit a perk hit 800 kilo taylor hit taylor hit 812 they were 12 kilo away like official official 12 kilo is when you're in the 800s 12 kilo is fucking nothing like like they were close everyone was saying holy fuck this is close and then Perk was crushing in the gym. And that's when he was like, like, I'm getting stronger every week. I'm whatever. And he was, and he was, he wasn't lying. You know, he had reason. He was, he was so young as a junior 74 to hate 800. It's nuts. Uh, Perk Perk is special. Um, And then that's when Taylor could, he could hear everyone else talking. He could hear what his competitors were talking and he knew what he was doing in the gym. And that's when he's like, 
You think it, it's so iconic. The, yeah. It's so iconic where certain posts, the caption, yeah, fucking like, you won't forget that. Yeah, you know, you won't forget that. Yeah, and in context, I like that. You know, I like that because I think that's that circles around to what we said earlier. I think Taylor is also an emotional guy. I, I don't know him that personally, but I, I think he is because of, you know, th- th- just the fact that he, he reposted uh, what you said about him. Dog, a, I was going to say, d- you know, he takes things personally. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, because- yeah, exactly. uh, and so, you know, I, I think that on that aspect, I do look like him because sometimes when someone else will say something, I will get fired up. So when you say, I'm going to beat everyone else in the 66th, this this rings a bell for me and i'm like oh you think so yeah yeah yeah. we'll see about that well that taylor's for sure that guy uh taylor he's probably even even more so right because he's like um you know fuck like everything he said on the podcast all the sound bites i remember after the the podcast was done i remember going like taylor this podcast is gonna blow up when i drop it and he's like you think so and i'm like do you know all the sound bites you said? Like, did you listen to yourself, bro? You got like, well, holy fuck, Taylor. And I, I had had Taylor on like so many times um, throughout the years, but I was like, dude, uh, holy shit, bro. And um, you put on amazing performance on a platform. You followed it up with like the greatest of all fucking podcasts I've had, man. It was wild. But again, this, this worked because he actually did the job. Like right. words don't cut it. You yeah. first do the, the action and then you back it up with words. Yeah. Talk is cheap, man. Yeah. Always. Everybody, everybody talks a good game, but it's all on the platform when it happens. Does it feel, um, because you are a world champion, it, do you feel like you, well, I guess you, you were saying you have a lot to prove, but like, because you have already won the world championship. You had like another battle again at European championships. And in terms of saying like talk is cheap, you got to put it on the platform and then you proof is in the pudding, but because you've proven yourself, you know, you got to somehow keep being motivated, but you are uber motivated. It just doesn't go away. I guess, I guess now it's like, now I have something to lose or I have more. Now I have more expectations. Like, I guess it just didn't go away. Yeah. You know, like I told you, I think, um th- that's definitely not my main motivation but one of my motivation right now is just proving that i'm not cheese champ yeah and in the same way that like on the fantasy league I-, I don't even have to look at who's first in the 74s i don't even have to look at who's first in the 63s in the women we all know that's plain and simple and you know although uh the, the, this doesn't mean anything because this just means that in these weight classes, you have some people that are out of this world. And obviously, I wouldn't go, I, I don't praise myself that much to be like, I'm one of those guys because I'm not. Because if I was, then we wouldn't have this conversation about who's going to win at Worlds for the 66s. But I would like to get close to that level. And for me, winning this year with everything that we just talked about will be somewhat of an establishment for me as a, as a, as a champ and showing like, like I told you earlier that this is my weight class. It it depends though. Okay. Let me, let me give you this. Let me give you this. Um, 
like for some people's legacy, you, you can't like, obviously you can't really pick your own legacy. It just happens the way it happens. Right? Yeah, for sure. And some people's legacy is a fucking thing of absolute dominance where they're always yeah. like dominant crushing people. And that's what Taylor's going to be. And Leah's look like it's going to yeah, be for sure. And no some problem. people's is that fucking scrappy Jonathan Keiko, who every time he hits the platform is the battle of nationals. Yeah. Worlds, nationals yeah. again. Jonathan Keiko's never had an easy day. Yeah, fucking wins. It's like Rocky Margiano. Yeah, he goes in I, there in every fucking fight. It's like Rocky. This guy's ranked number fifteenth. You should blow him out, huh? Yeah. And it's a war again. It's like yeah. Rocky, but he ends up winning. But it's yeah. like he's not going to be Ali. He's not going to be. And it's it's fine. And and if Rocky Margiano was like, I would love to be Ali, and I would love like, and and it's like, but your legacy is going to be totally different. And it's going to be beautiful though. And you're, you're remembered, you're remembered for your heart, your grit, your, you know what I mean? It's, it's different. And this is where, um, and, and sometimes like, I, so I know what you mean where it's like, wouldn't it be sick if I was like, you know, but on the flip side, there's something so special about when you tune in, like if you're a Jonathan Keiko fan, you tune in and your heart is racing every time. You're like, holy fuck. My heart was racing actually uh, when he was facing uh, chance. Because yeah. I was like, man, I didn't see that much of uh, Jonathan training lately. Maybe there's something off. Chance was blowing up like crazy. And actually, Chance, Chance's uh, progress is now. Incredible. Even now, it's even bigger. Yeah, it's incredible. Like Chance and um, Chance is one of the hardest workers in this sport, and I'm so happy to see it pay off for him. Yeah. Like he's, I think he's getting to the level that quote-unquote he deserves you know what i mean but like you said when i was watching so i really love uh jonathan uh for many reasons but i also love chance for the reason i just gave you i think he's he's crazy like in his head re- regarding powerlifting and i just love that that uh, aspect yeah. of him same and like you said i was watching it and i was like man this this looks bad for bad for jonathan like i don't know man i don't know and like you said maybe i I think we all would like to be, like you said, that dominant. But yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely not for everyone because we wouldn't have one Taylor out. We would have 10, one for every weight class. And that's not the game. That's not it would how we suck. Work. Dude, that means they're all uncompetitive. Yeah. None of them are competitive. That means every session you watch, you already know who's going to win. It, it's yeah. it, it's uh, you actually don't want what you think you want. Because exactly. if you had it, yeah. it wouldn't be like you think it is. 100%. And being knee deep in that shit is like and constantly in a battle, scrapping it out. You're gonna make a moment happen. You're gonna when people like I don't know who's gonna win. Like everyone, not just from France, but like all over the world, who's a Pena fan is good. Like I'm a Pena fan. So and it, people are gonna be watching, and it'll, it's like fuck. I don't even know, man. I don't even know. I'm so stressed out about it. It's like when I was that kid walking into the fucking corner store to look at the newspaper. If I already knew he's gonna win, who cares? Sure, man. Yeah. It's that. It's that. That's when a moment happens where it's like you're pulling for the win. It's down to the last deadlift, and it's like that is the shit man and over yeah. the next five six years um you know you lose you come back you win oh he's back the king is back like these things are what's like it's gold yeah i agree, I agree it's gold man. buddy but like you said i think what's what's happening now is because i'm not in that situation uh like the taylor highway situation where yeah. like it's it's obvious like there's we know who's going to win the question is just 
how big of a dollar is, is he going to do? You know, which, yeah. which is a question, obviously, which is a question because uh, even though I know that Taylor is coming first, I'm I'm eager to see his performance because I'm really curious and and I I want to know what he's going to do. But like you said, maybe if I was in this in his shoes, maybe I would see things differently. But because I'm in my shoes, you know. But yeah, grass is, I, grass is always greener on the other exactly, side. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But you know, I I do love the fact that I have to battle everything and always because, like we said earlier, that's the way I express myself. Because I've been taught that hard work is always rewarded. My dad told me that. What I was looking told me that hard work is always rewarded. And even if you get a, get your ass beat, even if you take a big L then just means that you have to work even harder or smarter or whatever in order to not feel that moment or not go through those same emotions. Dude, it's not so, even, it's not even your, like, it's not even your personality and who you are to have it like that. Like you are that emotional scrappy guy who yeah. fights for all those reps. You know how, you know, you know, like, like, like you scrap for your reps and it's amazingly entertaining, right? And um, can you imagine you're so far ahead of everybody, you don't even have to scrap for your reps? It would be a shame. Like you are the grind king. You are that dude. Like you're you're in a battle and you're like fucking who's gonna win? Who's gonna win? And you're like, the gods have chosen me. I'm gonna be the one. Like, this is that won't mean if you say that when we already know you're gonna win. Yeah, for sure. You know yeah. what I mean? But but so it's kind of like, all right, well, we already know you're gonna win. But when we don't know you're gonna win. When it's like, holy fuck, I don't know. You know, Gladkick's a two-time world champion. Eddie's a fucking junior world champion. These guys who you have to beat at the world championships and you're like, everyone's picking and you're like, relax. The powerlifting gods have spoken. Yeah. It's going to be me. That That's why that means something. Only because you're vulnerable. The vulnerability, there's something about vulnerability that um, when you write a movie, you fucking make the key character vulnerable if you want him likable or her likable. That's it's It's it, buddy. Yeah, but sometimes you also like a character that's like unbeatable. Can I say no. something? Superman sucks, man. Nobody likes Superman. People <sighs> love Batman. People love Batman. Nobody likes Superman. I kind of agree, but on the same time, I kind of disagree because it's cool. You know what I mean? Because you know this this won't happen to you. And sometimes when you look at a movie or whatever, you want to see something that you know won't happen to you. You know what I mean? So... In a way, I think that's cool to, to see. And you know, you know what it is? You know go in is? the streets, go in, go in your DMs and ask the, um, the lifters if they don't want to be like Taylor Atwood. And tell sure. them, would you rather be like Taylor Atwood, like unbeatable, crushing everybody, or like Bana having to fight for every single rep? And we don't even know if you're going to win until your last deadlift. But here it is. Here it is, though. And, and I mean this. You don't actually want what you think you want. Yeah. And that's for all those people I would talk to. If I ask the same people, you want a billion dollars, they're all going to say yes, but you don't actually realize you lose all context of like, what's, what makes you happy? What makes you sad? What's bitter and sweet? And like everything in life gets fucked up. Um, And that's, that's, that's like to uh, an exaggeration of things, but like Mike Tyson famously said, if you think money is going to change all your problems, you never had money. And Mike Tyson's had and lost, had and lost, whatever. And it's the same thing with all of this where you're right. If I was to say, do you want to be Penna or the Rocky Margiano? Or do you want to be, you know, this, the Mike Tyson actually destroyed everyone in his front and it was easy and, or like Taylor Atwood, that would be like the two. And people of course are going to be like, I want to be the Taylor Atwood. The thing is they don't understand is like, 
there's a lot to it. There's a lot of like, like yeah, Taylor, it's, it's I would, Taylor, I was experiencing a world is going to be nothing like yours. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an honestly, uh, and uh, I really don't want people to misunderstand what I'm saying. It's not. It's easy for him, definitely not. But it's another burden. It's not the same burden. It's it's a different mind game. It's a different place uh, in which you'll have to be because I think he will have some stress. I, w- I think he will have something because he'll be like everybody is expecting a, a big right. total out of me. And yeah. if I don't deliver, then people will be like, oh, maybe what we saw at nationals last year was just a spark. And maybe now he's not that, he's not that guy. He's not who we think he was. Or even, or even he's not that guy anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and all sure. of a sudden he's like, what the so fuck? So it's, it's another game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's another game. But just meaning by, you know, regarding your competition, that's, that's where there is no really stake for him. But the stake is, I think it's as high as the other lifters. Because again, it's not about is it going to be world champ. It's more so how is it going to be world champ. It's you know I'm just glad, I'm glad that we have it all because you're right. Like look at when he did that phenomenal performance, he was like like seventy kilo over the next guy. Like I don't know what exactly what it was, but it was it was crazy. So he was essentially on you know lifting in his own little like he almost won eighty threes for fuck. He's five yeah. kilos off for us. So Honestly, that, that day I. I I couldn't sleep. I was like, what just happened, man? Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> so, dumb. and yet, even though he's, he, he was so far ahead, it was amazing. And it was one of the most amazing performances. So you don't, sure. it's, it's, I'm glad we have all of it, but we yeah. need, we need it all. It's necessary. Like, yeah. like Taylor Atwood is necessary for the sport. We need a God, like a guy on God mode. However, yeah. however, Penna is necessary. We need, we need Penna. We need a guy like that. Who's like fiery. I fucking got to fight for every rep and everything I earned. And I got to fight for it and nothing. Like I don't have a path and you just made your own path. And and like the whole background story, we're like everything, everything is like, you got to fight for everything and just make it happen. And then um, I I think in 10, 15 years, you're going to look back and be like, holy smokes what a ride man and you you'll be like would you have rathered it you came up in america spoke perfect english had amazing hair and was taylor atwood i'm just describing taylor atwood, and played cfl football and you'd be like nah i guess i'd rather put yeah, me, yeah. You know, put me in france where there's no powerlifting and, and like you know well there is but it's not like no world champions no like nah i guess i guess you know my story's pretty fucking cool too dude when you guys when you guys, if you guys ever do like a documentary or write about it or whatever, it's going to be an amazing story about you and Coco. Can you imagine you didn't find Coco? Coco didn't find you and you guys didn't find each other. And it was, your backgrounds are so similar and your, you know, everything. That would have been way, way, way different because you know, when I, when I met him, I was like, I'm not crazy. Right. Or we both are. And I found someone as crazy as me. <laughs> That's and a beautiful you, thing. You know? Dude, yeah. is that not a beautiful is that not a beautiful thing when you meet yeah. somebody? Fuck that, I, that, dude. That's another amazing sound. You drop sound bites, and you don't know you do it. I take them and fucking make thumbnails on them. But um, I love that you said that. I love that. It's like when I met you, I told myself, "Oh my god, I'm not crazy," or I am, and you are too. Yeah. And it's like, but either way, I'm glad I found you. Yeah. Either way, it doesn't matter, does it? It's it's a beautiful that's, thing, man. That's, that's exactly it, you know. And sometimes it's it it doesn't even make sense because we can't don't talk in our DMs for like weeks, 
And then all of a sudden we just talk and he's like, I'm in this mindset right now and I'm in this position. And I'm like, yeah, same for me. Exactly the same. Exactly the same mindset, exactly the same position and everything. So it's crazy to see that we have, and I think really it comes down to there was nothing on the line for powerlifting for us. We dropped everything. And um, even, you know, for me, and I don't want to speak for him, but we actually had some really tough um, relationship with our parents because of that, because you're in a law school, medical school, <clears throat> you're a smart student, whatever, your parents see some type of future for you. And now all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to leave some weights. And you're going like, to be a fuck medical school yeah. in law school, man. This yeah. kid is, your parents were telling their fucking friends, my son's exactly. going to be a lawyer. My yeah. son's going to be a doctor. Exactly. And they're yeah. like, no, I'm going to be a powerlifting coach. And they're yeah. like, does anyone do that? Yeah. No, they do it for free. There yeah. is no market at all. There's no market. No, there's zero market. Yeah. How are you going to do this? I met a guy on Facebook. Or <laughs> they're like, this is, they're like, stop, man. That's exactly. And honestly, when I, when I dropped, I think I was totaling maybe 560 at 66. Oh, wow. You know, so I wasn't, I wasn't that strong either. I, you know, 560 for 60 isn't a bad total by any means, but it's not, it's not the type of total where you're like, oh, I'm the next Taylor Atwood. Yeah, you know you just, I mean? dude, you dropped out of fucking med school yeah. or uh, yeah, yeah. law school. Sorry. Law school yeah. Um, yeah, this isn't where, you know, yeah, your that's... parents are like, how'd you do? And you tell them that they're like, is that good? You're like, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. yeah like i'm not gonna have people beating down my door to be my client yet but, yeah exactly uh, yeah and and man but the the fact that i met him and actually how we met is is a crazy story he was posting something on insta there was like two posts a week on the uh french federation federation hashtag on insta so i was commenting sometime and then we were talking in the dms and he was like oh with the way you commented on my posts i thought you were like some weird old dude and i was like why would you think that? I was like, I don't know, just the way you commented and everything. And then he was like, oh, do you want to come tomorrow um, to, to, to meet me? And we'll train together. And I was like, yeah, but you live like five, away, five hours away from me. And he was like, yeah, okay, cool. Just come and don't worry. I'll force you for a week and we'll train together. And I was like, okay, why not? And I met him through Insta. We just talked like maybe for some days. And then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, come to my home and we'll train. And then when I met him, I was like, okay that's that's the guy i needed to meet you know yeah. and then from there we had the same mindset the same idea the same mentality where um when we started everybody was telling us we were like the 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 you know when the when you have a star like passing by in the sky and you don't even see it i don't know how it's called a shooting star a shooting star yeah because they were saying they were saying that we would be really strong really fast but that we would disappear really fast also. Ah, oh, gotcha. So people were making fun of us being like, oh yeah, the shooting stars. But in that, in that mind, in that aspect, and man, you don't know how, how it fired up, us up. We're like, we're going to prove those fuckers that we're better than this and that we'll actually establish something. And now if you tell me, would you think four years ago that this would somewhat have an impact on how big powerlifting has become in France, I would have told, told you no way. Because that wasn't the idea then. The idea wasn't to build something. Or We're just like, we're training because we love it, because we enjoy it, and we want to make a difference. That's it. We want to live our lives. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, he was saying, 
you know, like, like, yeah, he learned English just to take these yeah. classes, whatever, to bring the information in. People don't yeah. realize like the information just wasn't being brought in in France. Like this huge jump in everybody's, I was telling Coco when he was on the podcast, this huge jump in everybody's impact. There was a saying that uh, I think Chance might have said, and or maybe it was even Johnny Candido, or, or maybe, uh, you know, actually Johnny reiterated it in the comment section, but Chance has said it in my DMs. They said about Matt Gary. They're like, you might not know who Matt Gary is, but if you're in the U.S. in powerlifting, Matt Gary has either influenced you and your coach either directly or indirectly because you got some of your thoughts and principles or whatever for your your game day coaching or whatnot from Matt Gary. And it's just because it's not even debatable, but he literally wrote the book about game day coaching that was used for all the national team coaching for the certifications for everything. He's like decades in the game. He's like, he's, he's impacted it. Right. So they're like, whether or not your coach directly got it from him or another coach and then to him. And I, and I was telling um, Coco, like how with the atmosphere that France was previously, where there was no outside influence in terms of programming, in terms of your knowledge of programming, in terms of how you approach these things, because there was a language barrier and it just wasn't France wasn't a heavy hitter whatsoever in powerlifting. And correlation cannot be denied that when you and Coco found each other and said, we need to go outside France learn English or have you, he said, you already have an English or pretty good at English. So you start taking these classes, learning on the Mike T RTS classrooms, jotting these down, bringing them into the athletes. And it's not a fucking, uh, it's not, uh, just a coincidence. The fact that in 2019, when you stopped me in the hall, it was you, Leah and Naomi um, or Noemi, that's how you're supposed yeah, to say it. Uh, Noemi, there we go, man. It took me a while. It's quite me that we've got to you. I get it. <laughs> but um, it's not a coincidence that like from you, Leah, Noemi, to Turbo Tiff, to Coco, to Rico, to whatever, it, it, it doesn't, I, I told you this before, um, just like the Matt Gary scenario, it all started there. Now, yeah. as the years go, People go on and move and blossom like a tree that branches out. People will branch out over the years and continue to branch out, but it has to start somewhere at the trunk. There's roots planted and a trunk happens. And we, we, we've talked to you about this before, but I was telling Coco, like, that's what you help start. So here now people will go and it's like, that's fine, but you are now touched by the principles that you got and what we did. And you will take that with you, period. And there'll be a, it's there, there there, there's no way it's a coincidence that 2019 and then now all of a sudden, okay, well, all the initial champions came up one way and then here we are. Right. And it's, um, it's wild to look back and see it, man. And now Coco's like, he was on the podcast being like, man, I think I'm good for 940. And like, he's, he's talking like, I think I'm going to win this. I'm like, holy shit, Coco. Yeah. And, and this was, this was our thing because at first when you started, so with Leah, you know, when there was um, like the uh, Wilkes score, yeah, we had something called uh, war of the Wilkes. And so the instigators were uh, Leah, Coco, Noemi, and myself. And at every competition, we were like, got you. 
And so even though we in, in, in competition, like uh, because we weren't in the same weight classes, obviously, we had this mindset where although uh, what some of us were doing at the national level was like unheard of at, at this level, we weren't focused on that. We were already focused on the world's level, on the world stage. And we were checking our totals and our numbers, not based off what was happening nationally, but internationally. And I think that's when it all started for, you know, our, our will to become stronger, our will to become better. It was because if we're like, oh, we're the golden boys, we just, we, we did it. Just because we hit some big totals at nationals, then it would have never come this far. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was possible because we, we, we all four of us had this idea that they're doing it. Why not us? That's you know, we, we, we will work our, as hard as them. We'll try to find the best programs ever. We'll try to work our technique like them, but we'll find the way to get to that level. Yeah, it, 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 yeah exactly. If, if America's booming, what are they doing? Because yeah. physically speaking, physically speaking, they breathe, like yeah. yeah, why can't, why can't we? And then, I mean, it's crazy that at a time period when nobody, you guys hadn't, you're not, none of you guys are world champions or, or achieved any of the accolades you did. Noemi, you, Leah, and Coco, who all now are like fucking world champions or in Coco won in the juniors or sub juniors. And he's like, you know, he's going to, at some point, he's probably going to win a world too. But, um, now we all know who you are, but at some point you were just like regional level lifters doing a Wilkes game, being yeah. like, Hey, I got, I beat your Wilkes. Oh, I'm going to get you. And you guys had, it's great. Like, you know, you hear about like bands that become famous, right? Yeah. And, but you hear stories about them before they became famous when they just knew each other and were fucking around doing whatever, touring around doing whatever. And it's like, that's like, you guys would have had no idea for sure. You would have ambitions. But yeah. you wouldn't necessarily know this is how the story is going to go. Yeah. This is how the story is going to go. And it's, um, I don't know, man, everybody, man. I, I remember like you, the, the names that you guys have been attached with, like years to come, man, you guys are going to look back and like, this is the wildest of times, man. Yeah. And new yeah. people come just like you, sure. yeah, I mean, yeah. like tur- just like you never would have guessed. You yeah. never would have guessed turbo. You just meet a turbo tiff out of nowhere. And like, and then you meet her with Leah and you're like, um, you had no idea that Turbo Tiff would be this big superstar yeah. now who's doing, and then who the next person's going to come and the next person. And then all of a sudden, sure. like, who the fuck it's life is crazy. Yeah, sure. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we're at this level. It's because we never underestimate anyone, you know, for instance, uh, Leah, when she was getting to that level, like 500 total, 500 plus back then this was good status total, you know, but at that time, she wasn't be like, being like, oh, I'm already there. She was like, I'm weak. I need to train harder. And mm-hmm. when, when uh, at that time I was, I was coaching her, she was like, Pana, this isn't enough. I need to become stronger. We need to do more. I'm squatting three times a week. I want to squat four times a week. I'm squatting four times a week. I want to squat five times a week. Holy shit. And at some point, I actually had to restrain her because like, Leah, you know, you, you can't squat absolutely every day. At some point, <laughs> you have to give your body some rest, you know? Yeah. But, she and at that time she was already doing like crazy stuff like she's doing right now but it's it's actually her her mindset where she was like i'm weak i'm behind although she was miles away of everybody else and that's how we all view ourselves we don't see ourselves like 
even Leah, who's on that level, she isn't like, oh, I'm that girl. She's like, I need to train. I need to become stronger. I need to become better. And her will to train had, has never decreased a, a single bit, never. And that's why she's there right now. And that's why Turbotif is there right now. Because since the day I met her, she was, she was surpassing the curfew, being illegal, doing hours of car with her mom's car. I think she was doing like 100 kilometers a day to come train with us. Oh my God, man. And she wasn't even on that level like, oh, I'm going to be world champ. She was just yeah. that little girl, you know, squatting, benching, deadlifting, having fun. And she was already doing that. So obviously back then you, you, you couldn't tell, yeah, she's going to be that next big superstar. But man, she already trained like a world champ when she wasn't remotely close to it. You know what I noticed too, when Turbo Tiff um, <clears throat> goes on the platform, there's like, like, she's like soft-spoken, nice girl, whatever, yeah. when, you, when you talk to her. Yeah. But when she's on the platform, like there's like a, there's, she's, she's yeah. just spiciness to her. Like I, when she was um, getting called for like her hair on the bench or whatever, you could just see like, she's a fucking, she's, she, she's a scrappy contender. Like you yeah. could tell like, she's, they're like, she's scrappy. She's got an edge that you need where it's like, look at off the platform. Fine. But when it's game time, we turn on, yeah. she's, she's like, you could see that you could be like, okay. All right. You can't underestimate. Sometimes you meet people and you're like, yeah, I, didn't, I wouldn't think they're that competitive. They're a pretty easygoing, nice person. Like get them, get them in a, an environment, mm -hmm. get them in the right environment where they, they, it's all on the line and they're coming. And, and I think, uh, I think one of the biggest athletes that I've seen that in, it's annoying me. Really? Yeah. Yeah, man. He, he, I, I, at some point, um, you know, I think she, she was having a, a hard call on, on squats or something. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's good. Because, you know, uh, back then I was coaching uh, Shizuka and I was like, oh yeah, cool, sweet. Uh, now we're going into the mass and everything. And then she goes, it smokes it three white lights. And it's not the first time I'm, I've seen her do that. And honestly, Man, I think one of the main reasons why Team France is there, it's coaching everything. But man, the mentality is different. We're like dogs. Like we, we, we will eat you. And it's not the confrontation. You know, it's just we will eat everything we have to. We will eat sand. We will eat dirt to be on top. And all of the names you just mentioned, Coco, uh, Leah, uh, Tiff, uh, Noemi, myself, we are ready to eat dirt in training for months and months and months just to get to a certain point and be in a position to be able to bite you. Mm, fuck me. And everybody on Team Friends is made of that. Everybody. It's wild, man. It, it's a, um, I also actually, I want to ask you about Shizuka because yeah. she is like, she doesn't post, so yeah. you don't see her coming. But you yeah. had told me, actually, yeah. I also wanted to ask you about Jade, uh, Jacob. But um, yeah. I mean, there's Francis got so many shoes coming all over the place. Yeah, but but um, Shizuka, you had told me like, look, at she's she's the good. She's pot. Yeah. Like she's she's it's going to be crazy. What she did at French Nationals with a 438.5. That's a world record. Like if Noemi isn't there, like, no, it, it's crazy that France has got 
the number one best 52 of all time. Like Noemi, no one's ever done what Noemi's done. And Shizuka isn't, she's the number two, not just in France right now. She's the number two of all time with 438.5. Nobody's ever done that either, except for Noemi. This yeah. is what people don't realize that it, it, um, Shizuka doesn't post a lot on social media. So people don't necessarily even know. She's like, we talk about her on a podcast and I try, I can't repost her too much because she doesn't post too often, but I'll post what SBD does or something. But it's like, Shizuka, I talked about it on the podcast. She's close enough. And she is the biggest deadlift in the 52s. She can pull 200 kilo. If she ever gets close enough, she can pull for that win. And she is closer. Look at 445 or whatever, what, or 444, whatever um, Noemi did. Shizuka was 438.5. They are one missed deadlift away. And Shizuka's like, we're pulling for the win here. Like it's. You know, I, I won't go into too many specifics about it, but. Um... She she was in a position to win at nationals. Um, there are some circumstances. Uh, so obviously not not uh, drawing anything away from Noemi because the performance that she did at French nationals was just a masterpiece. Like yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, one crazy performance, obviously. But I think Shizuka had the cards to win. It's just that at that time um, we stopped working together, and I think the right cards weren't placed on the table in order to win. Mm. I know what she hit in training previously because I was coaching her at the moment. At that moment, she had the cards to do more than obviously, you know, what you do in training doesn't 100% translate in competition, but she had the cards. Mm. And the wrong, the wrong cards were placed in order of um, attempt selection. Mm. And it didn't put her into that position. But 200 kilos in deadlift already done that in training when I was coaching her some, some weeks ago, some months ago. Yeah. It's one of those, it's difficult because when you're in Shizuka's position, if she was anywhere else in the world, like if she's coming up in the U S she she crushes everybody. It'd be crazy. She's like, like everyone everyone knows who she, everyone would know who she was. Um, She'd be a star. She'd be walking in there and it'd be, we'd be hyping the clash. We still are hyping the clash, but it's different because Sure. She can't get out of France without being number two, let alone number two in the world, but she is, and she's capable, right? But, and the uh, problem is, um, right now, all of the weight classes are starting to fill up in France. And so if there isn't uh, an empty weight class, you can't send two, 252s. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? It's possible because you have an empty weight class. But now we have 47, we have 52, 63. 69, we have Clara, uh, who's a junior, but who's competing at in the Opens. Yeah, Clara Peru. Yeah, play road. Exactly. Yeah, Peru. Yeah. Exactly. I think we might not have... Oh, no, we do have a 76 that you just recently reposted on yeah. the uh, She's that, good. Uh, she's, she's a, a junior, junior, too. Yeah. Yeah. M- next year, she's competing Open, for sure. Yeah. So we do have a 76. We have an 84 that's uh, sadly injured and that won't be competing at uh, Worlds. Uh, she she broke her clavicle uh, during uh because she's a firefighter and she broke her clavicle during a, a practice so sadly she won't compete but and we have Amelie in the 84 plus mm. so next year I think we actually don't have two spots for a single weight class that's 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 tough it happens 
It happens yeah. in the U S often there's a, there's a number two guy, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but it, that's when someone like that. that where Shizuka Shizuka's the number two in the world. And she's like, I can't even go now. Yeah. She has to be, she has, she has to be, to be yeah. The number one. And, and, and we're, we're not talking, you know, about just beating her. We're talking about crushing the world record total in order to do that. Yeah, exactly. Which isn't exactly the same thing. You have to have the best day that we've ever seen in the 52s. She had the best day. Yeah. She walked in there at NAF, French Nationals, had the best performance we'd ever seen in the 52s, still didn't win. Still yeah, didn't win. Yeah. And, and the thing is, honestly, if you look at Noemi's um, performance over the last competitions, She's always improving. Even if it's not 10 kilos, 15 kilos, she's always improving. Right. So it means that you have to beat the current world champ who's been competing for years now internationally that has the experience. Like I told you, she has the heart, she has the teeth in order to bite. And you probably will have to total over the world record total in order to beat her. That's fucking hard, man. Yeah, it's so difficult, man. That's how competitive France is right now. Yeah. Look how and, we're and, talking. And you know, I I, I wanted to send you a, a girl in the in, in the DMs for King of the Lifts. Uh, she started powerlifting six months ago. She was obviously bodybuilding first, but six months ago, fifty-two kilo lifter almost totaled four hundred at French Junior Nationals. Holy smokes, man! Six months. Six months. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's freaks out there that are just absolutely athletically gifted. Just, just imagine that, man. Six months, almost out of four. I think she did 397 or yeah. clo- close to 400. And this is her just starting, like, hey, I think I like I'm this. I'm going to try. Like this is her new. Oh, yeah, why not? Let, let me try. <laughs> Let's go. And you just, I, I don't know how close to the junior world record it is, but it might be, it might be on the world junior record or really close. Yeah. And it's getting like that in France. I also want to ask you about, dude, we're talking some, at certain points, sometimes I forget we're doing a podcast and we're not just talking. <laughs> did, did that happen to you too? Yeah, <laughs> I think we're closing in on four hours. I, I was like, um, yo, we're recording, huh? I was, I was at one point, I was like, so into our conversation yeah, because yeah. like I knew, but I, it's weird. It's one of those points where you're like, you are, you know, but you're also like, I, sometimes you're in a podcast and you have to keep things going. And you're like, okay, so for the next question, I'm going to ask this because it's on me as the host. It's not on the guest. Like I have to keep this thing going. Um, But other times you're so into that conversation that you're like, I I have certain things I want to ask Penny. I want to make, because people listening, you have to ask them about this. You have to ask them about that. Like, like, I know they're not literally saying it, but I know people tune in thinking there's an expectation Please ask him about worlds. Please ask him about all these people in at worlds. Please ask him about coaching and blah, 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 obviously. But then there's also times where, so that comes so naturally in our conversation and we just do it anyways. And then we blossom into so many different ways that um, it's fucking like, it doesn't even feel like a podcast. just like two dudes talking. And that's when the magic happens. That's when the magic happens where it's like, Oh man, we this was this was some this was some shit right here. This was this was it right here. But I wanted to ask you one of the things though was the silent worker coming up in July. Yeah, we let, so tell everyone about it um, because look at amongst the things that you do because you do refing as well. I'm I'm now a national ref. Okay, so in terms of like 
all the things you do to try to impact because yeah. you've come on the podcast dressed up. You're like, I'm sorry, I'm late, but I, uh, did refing all day, all whatever you, so you're obviously a coach, obviously yeah. in coached world champions, obviously an athlete in a world champion throwing on competitions and and meets and invitationals for for lifters and trying to bring people in from i mean you're bringing in me king of lifts to do the the commentating do the media and whatnot um and you do ref and everything and the refing and then doing all the research you do to bring in like you know what you did initially in terms of taking those classes and bringing in this program and working with coco and whatnot like in terms of everything you're doing man it's you are all in in terms of giving back and some people don't some people will just do what benefits them. Yeah. But you're also doing things that's like, you don't have to show up to ref, be a national category ref or do all this kind of thing. You don't, or do like in seminars, going to like, going to gyms and throwing on seminars and like that recruits the future, like turbo TIFF and what you never know. You're doing so fucking much hustling. You're hustling, man, trying to make something happen. Um, so I just wanted to give you like the hats off. Cause I don't know if everybody knows this and there's a lot of people who like, just don't do like even a fraction of what you do for what, where you're at. Like some, this is why I like to give you a lot of kudos for your impact because nobody can raise a hand and be like, but he didn't do this. He didn't do that. Even silent worker sponsors athletes. And like, you yeah. know, you're, you're doing, you're, you're doing everything you possibly can to make a push happen in France. Yeah. You know, I, I think when you love the sport, you have to do it. Because if I love my sport, I want it to grow. And if I want it to grow, I have to take actions. And so for instance, like a week ago, we had junior nationals uh, and we organized it. And usually nationals in France is on two days. So Saturday, Sunday, everybody comes home, go, goes back to their usual schedule on uh, Monday. For us, it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We had four days of nationals for for the juniors. And I can only let you imagine the kind of stress, fatigue, everything that you accumulate during those four days because you sleep on three hours a day. So you were were the meet director? Uh, Anissa was, my girlfriend was. Oh, damn, dude. So you guys are like not just, you're doing national level stuff. What do you guys not do? So when I tell people, when I tell people like your impact in powerlifting in France, some people are like, are you overblowing it? And I'm like, you don't fucking know though, huh? Like yeah. you don't, you don't remember what it was like before he came in and you don't see what it's like now. And it's not just, there's other people. I get it. There's other people. I get it, but we all need somebody who's just like, I'm giving my fucking life to this <laughs> and, and, uh, and your girlfriend and everything too, man. Yeah. God bless and she, she, she's in the like committee, like um, um, that directive committee of the French Federation. Dude. So you know, we're, we're 100% involved in it. It's, it's our life, you know, man. So uh, even though we, we killed ourselves for four days straight, sleeping two hours, three hours, having to ref, having to coach, having to organize things, having to put things away, put things back, etc. Man, that's, that's what we do, you know. It's, and at the end of the day, after the fourth day, we, we didn't see each other for four days, although we live together, you know, because she was doing this, I was doing that and, and this and that. And then at the end, we're like, I can't anymore. I want to sleep 20 hours straight. <laughs> and then we look at each other and like, 
that this was so fucking worth it. This Dude, was so fucking worth it. Isn't it wildest? Um, for, first off, how do you properly pronounce her name? Anissa. Anissa? Anissa. Anissa. Yeah, exactly. Anissa. Okay, I got to get that right. Anissa, because she deserves her props, man. Yeah, she's le- she's legitimately the silent worker. That's like, that she might as well be named 100%. after her because she's in the background. 100%. She's not she in is. the posts. She's not in the podcast. But Anissa is freaking like running meets, running like the companies yeah. and like doing, she's she's a backbone for this. man. And she's Isn't also it? doing the workouts for Turbotif and uh, Leah. What? Yeah, she's the one... Uh, you know, when, when they have to, to go through the... She phase. comes from a fitness background as well, right? Yeah, she does. Gotcha. So when I say she does it, it's not like writing the, the workout program. It's more so, uh, for instance, if they have to do a sauna or a hot bath, she's in there with them in order gotcha. to help them. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Because, you know, I was, I was a guy, uh, Leah and Tiff being girls, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't want any crazy idea. So uh, she was the one doing it. And also... Uh, they have this relationship because she's uh, best friends. She's bestie with Leah and she, she's also really close, 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 close friends with Tiff. So, you know, she does that also. And it's the same thing. You know, she's, she's that passionate about the sport and she just loves it. So we just give all of our time right now is specifically dedicated, specifically dedicated to powerlifting. And also what she's doing is also spread um, the powerlifting message because I have something in French when I say, where I say I'm contributing to the powerlifting propaganda. And dude, I love that. And it's always propaganda, a propaganda thing. So I did a YouTube collab with two YouTubers that are like basically their main thing is they do activities while they're drunk and like hammer drunk. And these guys contact me and be like, oh, we'd like to do a video with you. And I'm like, um okay but like what kind of video because you know you don't even drink and i I don't even drink and they're like you know we'll just drink the day before and we'll have a training with you and i'm like yeah i'd rather not because i don't want it to be felt that i'm pushing uh alcohol consumption um forward because uh i'm on team friends and i have a uh a signed paper where, where I have to have some sort of attitude on my social media and stuff like that. And they're like, eh, you know, don't worry, that's fine. And what's happening is we did this video with those dudes. This video, I think, has 200,000 views on their YouTube channel, something like that. And now a lot of guys came at French Junior Nationals and, and be like, oh, I saw you on their video. And I was like, I was somewhat training and I discovered that this was a sport and now I'm participating in powerlifting. And those dudes will actually do the sound worker meet in July. Whoa, see, man, this is, well, this is so it. It's a circle. This is, you, you, um, you keep putting yourself out there. Yeah. You do, you hop on podcasts, you do seminars and gyms. Like when you found Turbo Tip, you do the videos, you do, you just keep putting yourself out there and like, you're, you're sending out like a beacon, like a casting call. And this is how it works. This is why, you know, we were talking about earlier about like when Brett Gibbs won the world championships and then people start coming, people are looking for it. There's people always looking for a passion, looking for something, give them the beacon. So you bring them in when you just appear. And once you won a world title, more doors open up and you yeah, just keep yeah, popping sure. up. This, this played a role. And, you know, I had another guy like, like them, uh, but this guy was more, um, more into sports in general, 
and so uh, he's really big on TikTok. Like, I think like he has maybe three millions uh, followers on TikTok, Holy which is like you know shit. really huge. And so this guy um, texts me and and he's like, oh, I'd like I'd like to do a, a YouTube video with you and everything. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's cool, let's go. We do the video. Super super cool guy, like humble guy, really hardworking, everything. And, you know, n- not a bad dude. I think uh, in the 120, he was squatting like 240-ish, 250-ish, deadlifting 280, 290. So, you know, pretty pretty solid lifter overall. Yeah. And at the end of the video, he's like, man, I want you to coach me. Oh, what? Are you coaching and him right now? So I'm coaching him right now. And guess what happened? He actually fell in love with the sport. He did some YouTube videos, everything. His videos got like hundreds of, uh, of views on YouTube. And he actually almost, he, he's actually currently the 120 uh, French junior champ. Oh, fuck. He wasn't powerlifting six months ago. He wasn't powerlifting. We did the video. He fell in love with it. He was like, would you coach me? I was like, cool, let's go. Five or six weeks after, no, maybe a little more, like eight weeks afterwards, there was a qualific- the last qualification meet. Did that, did the qualification total, and then straight to nationals. And a week ago, he did uh, nationals and he actually almost totaled 790 as an as a 120 junior. So yeah, so his numbers went obviously way up. Here is yeah. dude, this is where like, and when you get a guy like him who's got yeah. millions he's, of TikTok followers, it's a young audience also. Right. Because TikTok is mainly young audience. So yeah. that's good for the sport long term because it's maybe 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds that will discover this and be like, oh cool, that's a sport. Let's go. I'm going to do it. And man, it's it's a snowball. It's and and this snowball effect is getting crazy in France right now. And this guy will also do the sound worker meet. Oh shit! Well, fuck it. I yeah, can't man. wait to meet him. And he sounds like yeah. it's it's good to have people like that on board. And you you never know who you're gonna meet. Like what doors are gonna open up. You just yeah. keep showing up and keep saying yeah, just, exactly. Is just say yes, do these videos, do meet people. And then all of a sudden this dude is like, he's got millions of followers, the people he could influence and the people he could bring in. It could impact France 100%. like fucking Russell or he or more. Yeah, 100%. And you know, at first I didn't know he was, he had so many followers. People were like, oh yeah, he's pretty big on TikTok. I was like, okay, let, cool. Let's go. You know, either way, I'm going to do a collab with you no matter what, you know, even if you have 20,000 followers or Eight millions. I don't. I don't really care. And turns out he's pretty big. You know. Shit, so, you're like, hold up. You're like, Vegas. So you're not even on TikTok, right? Uh, uh, I'm. I have a TikTok account, but I I'm not really posting anything on it. Are you? I couldn't find you. Uh, I, I made it some. When I met him, actually, he was like, "Yeah, you should do one." So I was like, "Okay, why not?" And I gotta find you on there then, because I post you on TikTok. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like, I remember telling Jess Bittner, now she's on TikTok, but this is like, like over a year ago. I'm like, you got to get on TikTok um, and you got to take it seriously. It's funny because I actually ended up having chunks of months when I didn't post on TikTok at all. Now I'm on it again and I'm posting regularly. Uh, But on TikTok, I remember posting one of Jess's deadlift videos and it got over a million views. And I'm like, I messaged her, I'm like, Jess, I don't know if you're on this or how much you're on this, but this is the algorithm is nutty. Like yeah, you can it's way different. Yeah. It's way different. And and I can so somebody can post their video on yeah. TikTok and I and they can get a million views. I can repost it and get like five thousand. And then they can post a video, only get five thousand, 
I can repost it and get a million. Yes. Same video, both times, same like around about audience, powerlifting, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't make, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. Whereas yeah. Instagram, if it pops for you, it's going to pop for me probably, you know, relative. And um, so when a video pops, it pops and everyone reposting it and it pops for everyone. But on TikTok, what pops for you, the exact same video, exact same market, exact same. And I'm all powerlifting. You're all powerlifting. All your followers are powerlifters. All mine are powerlifters. In the exact same video, and it it doesn't correlate. It's wild. I can't. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, me neither. And you know, so now we have this guy in the sport in France, and he's pushing it heavily because now he's doing content about it. So, and you know, everyone everyone wants to know what he told a lot French nationals. Is he the French national champ? Is he not? And everything. And you know, I think he did like three videos around powerlifting on his channel, totaling. The, the three together over two two hundred thousand views. Okay, listen, you gotta dive into your TikTok account and start collabing with this dude more often. Because <laughs> this is this is where um not only does it blow up for the sport in France and everything, yeah, yeah. but also you can expand as well on things and start moving into like you're you dude, you th- this is what you do for a living and like silent worker meet the whole nine. Just yeah. start collabing, man. Start working you know, together. Uh, we uh, um I see myself as an athlete first, you know, not really like an influencer or anything like that. Uh, I see my, myself as an athlete first. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, we, we started, I did more things with that guy because he asked me for a coaching, you know, maybe if he didn't, it would have ended there, you know, just we do this YouTube collab, that's cool. And we shake hands and have a good day. Uh, and then he was like, man, I, I fell in love with this training session we did. You have to coach me. I was like, yeah, sure, let's go. And now he's, he's and maybe, you know, uh, the, the, the European qualification total, I think it's 800 for uh, euros. So maybe you might see it, you might see him at euros. And imagine if that dude is getting into the sport at this higher level, that's yeah. good for everybody, man. More yeah, attraction yeah, yeah. to the sport in France and in general. Yeah, dude, who the frick? See, this is exactly what we're saying is like, um, you don't know who's going to walk into your life. 100%. Every for and and for every door that closes, another one opens. And for every like, that's why you just keep showing up. Yeah. And it's just a revolving. That's that's life in general, period. Yeah. Yeah. Like your situation now and your situation 10 years won't be the same. And that's OK. And we want to keep it the same because you're like fuck i love everybody in my life right now and i love how my life is right now so i want to keep it like this it's like but if you do you're gonna miss out on the new shit coming down that's like you can't miss this because it's fucking gold and there's some amazing shit coming down the pipeline that's life man you know that's 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 what i learned when i was younger it's always be nice and it's because you don't win anything by being negative and by not being nice because at most, maybe at worst, you'll win a, a smile or a good, a good moment with somebody. And maybe at some point, you'll have some opportunities that will come up for you. And I've always, always had this idea in mind of be nice, be helpful, help others. And I was helping others for free at first. I was giving advices when people were in my DMs like, Hey, how, what do you think about my deadlift technique? What do you think about my squat technique? I was giving advices for free. I was like doing uh, note messages, uh, everything properly because I would, I 
really wanted to help out people. And I was like, you know, if that was helpful for them, maybe they will ask me for a coaching and maybe I will have 20 euros a month. Yeah. You know, it, it started like this, man. And there was nothing else but passion at first. And the passion is always, is always there. Now you still have, you have more things around it. And it's just a layer on the cake. The cake is the same, the love of the sport, the love of powerlifting. And I think I found my sport. And I, I, and so when people say like, what do you think about this? Why, why don't you do that? And I'm like, man, that's my, that's my sport, you know? Um, Michael Jordan was playing basketball. He, that's his sport. Yeah. My sport is powerlifting. And I think we should be proud of our, our sport. And the, the fact is, powerlifting is really accessible. Everybody can powerlift. You go in the gym, you can, you can be a powerlifter. So True. why not it, encourage people that way, you know, that path of you just have to go to a gym. It even could be a commercial gym with fucking uh, noodle bars and everything. But we, you have to start somewhere. And then from there, you see what happens. Um, do you think in the future at some point you're going to end up like in in like a federation going for like not now you're in your 20s you're you're you got you're you're loaded up but do you think sometime down the line you're going to end up on the political side of it where you're like look at on the political end of this when if i actually become part of the federation european federation whatever and you could actually start trying to make wholesale changes you know because you're already taking on national events and whatnot yeah. You could, do you think, or, or maybe uh, Anissa or, or whatever, like, like going into that route? Yeah, for sure. That's something I would like, because I think there's obviously the national level and uh, we all have to be involved in our sport nationally, but obviously you also have to be involved in the sport internationally. So I would 100% be, uh, be on part of that. And I think that's extremely important. Yeah, like, That's how you, you give back. That's how like, you give back like running for president type deal. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> running for president of the federation is what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, not now, man. Like it'd be like 20 years down the road, whatever. Let's yeah, talk about not? this in 20 yeah. years. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> why not? That's, that's the easy thing. When it's 20 years, you're like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, we'll <laughs> you, you go come back in 20 years. If I haven't, you could tell me, I told you so if I didn't, <laughs> like, man, if you know what, those 20 years will go like this. The dude, you ain't lied. Yeah. Dude, you ain't lied. Cause like the last three years have gone like this, man. If and it's crazy, the progress has happened in three years for like yourself, one nation, the whole nine, man. Um, God I'm, knows I'm, so proud, man. I'm so proud. You, you can't imagine. I'm so proud to be, to be in that sport in France right now. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm part of something really big. And that's something that's growing like crazy. And it's it's crazy, man. So the silent worker meet. What, what are yeah. we looking at here? Let's talk about. Tell me a little bit about it. So, man, at first we wanted to have an international event. So invite other lifters. They come. They compete. We have fun, etc. And the problem that we have is that every single top lifter in France was like, "Keep me, keep me a place for the silent worker event. I want to do the prime time. Keep me a place for the silent worker event. I want to do prime time. And now we have a prime time." Loaded of French talents. <laughs> well, France is fucking loaded yeah. with talent. Right? <laughs> All of the weakness, man. Like juniors, open. Everybody has wants to do the meet, and you know that's exactly what I told you. It's because they just did like French junior nationals or open nationals, 
maybe some of them won't compete as well. So they're like, I want to meet. They're not like, let's 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 wait until next nationals. We'll see what I do. They're like, I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm training like a madman. I want to show the results of my training. I want to meet. I want to meet. Send me up. And you know who we have on the roster, for instance, we have Yanis Bouchou. Oh shit, the eighty-three. Exactly, and he didn't compete throughout the whole year for uh, school reasons. But he he told me I'm still training like I would if I would have been competing at Worlds, and sign me up on the saddle worker meet. And I'm telling you right now, man, you'll commentate on maybe one historic performance for the eighty threes. Well, didn't he, he broke the world record at the IPF Worlds last time, right? For deadlift? That's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, it's, it's crazy the deadlift he has. But right now I'm talking to you about a 800 plus total. No, really? Yeah. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. If he breaks that open, um, that'd be absolutely fucking yeah. amazing. He's a super nice guy too. Yeah, and man, he's he's the nicest guy ever and so yeah. he's competing so we'll have him we'll have uh turbo Tief. Uh, i don't know if coco will compete we didn't discuss that but i will be competing for sure and you know for us the idea is let's show the result of our work and let's show how strong and powerful we are as a country and so right now the actually the prime time of the salon worker event is full and we wanted that you know inter- interaction with other lifters that internet international like you know uh, meeting but we didn't have a lot of responses back. And we're like, you know, why, why scout for other talents when we have a pool of talent here? So all of the people that wanted to participate in the salad worker uh, meet, we told them, okay, let's go. Let's do, a, let's do a French prime time. So now the prime time will be French. Well, it's, it's like French nationals are stacked. It's like, it's like having another go around at French nationals, essentially. Exactly. And also right now, the, the meet is on the on the um, federation's uh, calendar so this will this those totals will actually be considered as like official totals and you could qualify for next french nationals so 2022 three with your total at the salon worker meets nice dude you're gonna keep growing this and we you put on a show and that's when you could do with a casting call for the rest of um like like european international competitions to bring them in and try to get like work it out and be like you know know, i i I posted some stories and everything and people didn't respond so you know i'm I'm not that guy to to go in the dms and be like hey would you like to do the meet i am (laughs) doggy i am you did well we could coordinate we'll we'll think of things um i just need we wanted you we wanted you we were like if you want to do uh a good powerlifting event the voice of powerlifting has to be here doggy, it has to be it has to be commented with the voice of powerlifting doggy i appreciate it man I th- i'm gonna have an absolute blast i am extremely grateful you're bringing me in man i'm honored and um yeah man, and you'll see it will be loaded with people because because that's 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 how the sport is going in france right now and you'll see this will be uh like a, a party this will be a meet obviously but will celebrate just to have those individuals that share the same passion and the same love for the same sport. Well, when you make it a moment, that's how, that's how you make people yeah, walk that. away and be like, you got, like when the, everything that we did last world, you know, we all walked away like, Holy shit. I, well, I'll, I'll never forget that worlds in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we've been, to, we've all been to a bunch of other worlds. When you do that at a meet, 
when you get people in and you're like, let's make it like that. When people leave the competition and leave the meet, they're like, they're going to tell everybody you, you can't, you got to do this, man. Like find time, whatever, take time off, book time off, travel in. It's worth it, man. It's, it's cause these are moments. We're just yeah. finding excuses to have moments together. Yeah, for sure. And you know, we have 105 lifters, I think. Oh, damn. You got a lot of people there. Then. Yeah. And we had 80 places because we have the prime time and we have the, the regular competition and the regular competition is basically um, giving giving the platform for the athletes that don't have you know the international level and giving them a platform to be competitive, and so those eighty places sold out in under an hour. That's what you were telling me, man. And under this is what because I asked you as like, do you want me to start asking some international people because. I feel no two ways about it. And I'll, I'll, I'll for sure slide in some DMs. Like, look at, let's do this. This will be fun. And uh, you're like, it's too late, bro. We, an hour later and we were done. And I was like, it's over. You're like, yeah, "Yeah, man, it's already over. I'm like, (laughs) do all right. I'm like, that was quick, man. We had 20 places for the prime time. And we were like, we'll try to see what happens with the prime time. Do we invite people or do we not? And then, like I told you, we didn't have any, like responses and we had a lot of requests from french lifters and we're like you know what fuck it we wanted to do it internationally but why not why not have who put those french athletes on the on the pedestal and have a a complete french prime time well listen next time we do this um let me know ahead of time because i want to do the casting call as well for the international and also be like you know, we can get some good showdowns. We'll, we'll coordinate it at a time too. Like, yeah, we'll work it out. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll talk about this because this could get bigger and bigger and bigger, obviously, right? And, and we're giving away money actually because for us, that's that's very important. So we're giving away money. Uh, we don't know 100% yet uh, how much, but for now, maybe close to three to 5,000 uh, for the prime time. Hey man, that's euros too, man. Look at money meat. It's a freaking yeah. money meat, and it's gonna be a blast. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. Man. It's uh, see, it's good to have like these kind of options for people. The big thing is, I bet you, um, some people are like so focused at worlds, and it's in July, so they're like, yeah, for sure. And they're traveling to South Africa, so they're gonna travel back. They're probably like, oh, I'm gonna be roughed up, and they probably yeah, yeah, will. Sure. They probably will be roughed up, but that's okay, man. We will do get a. Uh, Anissa, I sang her name right? Yeah. Anissa, she could do some videos on it. And yeah. then next thing you know, when next world's uh, or next year rolls around and Silent Worker comes around, it's a, you know what I mean? We'll yeah, push sure. it out. But, uh, well, listen, man. Yeah, I don't even know how long we've been talking, man. man I think we've been talking for four hours. But, but I got to smash some food. I had like, I was like, I'll make dinner after I talk to him. And I'm like, I was going to do a bunch of shit after I talked to you. But now it's, what time is it over there right now? 4 a.m. Holy fuck, it's four in the morning, yeah, dude. Yeah, All right, dude, go to sleep. <laughs> um, I appreciate you, my man. We will talk again. I'll see you in a couple of weeks at IPF Worlds. I fucking love these podcasts. You know, you have someone on all the time and you're like, we've talked so many times. Um, What are we going to talk about? We've already talked about his background. We've already talked about fucking four hours, bro. It's easy. 
Like we just it's, we, 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 could, we could we could go but we'll cut I can't believe it's four o'clock in the morning over there. Well, listen, yeah. man, um, get some sleep, rest up because you need your recovery. And yeah, I'll see you in South Africa, bro. We're gonna make some more memories happen. For sure. Thank you very much. Always appreciate the good chat with you, man. Much appreciated, dude. I'll talk to you later. Everybody. Peace.